everybody and welcome to the 100 Lunatics podcast where we examine horror's legendary icons from birth to death to inevitable remake. I'm your Sherpa of schlock, Daniel, <laughs> and with me tonight is Canada's Prince of Petty, my cousin Nathan. Hey everyone. Austin's own asshole Arnold, Benedict Arnold that is, Jonathan. Did you say whores again? And... You already know her from the Kruger Saga, Crystal Lake's hottest new counselor, Jasmine. Hey there. It seems the final chapter is not so final, and we found some way to continue the Voorhees Saga for 1985's Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Gentlemen, lady. Wait a minute. What did, what did, what did you call it? 1985's Friday. horror classic, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Part 5, A New Beginning. No, 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 no. Part B. This movie is called Friday the 13th. A New Beginning. Part, part 5, colon, Roy Burns. Oh, right. Oh. Right, I was going to say. <laughs> right. I was going to say, how did they resolve Jason's very fatal death? Hmm. And I think you... <laughs> you just killed it. That's, it's okay though. I right, podcast to, over. No, I wanted to get this out. You know, I wanted to get this out of the way, right off the bat, so that we don't have to pretend like we're hiding this the whole time. Yeah, it's not Jason. Nope. It's Tommy. There's Obviously, no, there's no nah. Jason in this movie. Not at all. Well, he's he's there for some flashbacks. Yeah, he's, he's in some dreams. He's in a lot of. Well, I call them hallucinations. I think they were more like hallucinations. He's like freaking out. Oh my god, he's right there. No, he's not right there. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. He's awake. He's looking off in space. Well, it's it's because he's dead. Because <laughs> he was killed. I I mean, this is what I said at the end of the last podcast, that he was dead. There's no way he's coming back. And he was dead. So, he's dead. It's actually Roy Burns. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. It is actually a man. This movie is about a man that kills people. And does a better job of it. <laughs> He seems to be. He's got a knack for it. Yeah. Well, his kill total is higher than Jason's uh, from any specific movie, right? If you were to compare this one to the other ones, I think Roy kills more people than Jason does in terms of, like, movie to movie. Yes, he does. Roy kills more people than Jason, and he doesn't have three or four movies to, you know, get a knack for it. Well, it's, it's because, I mean, you take off that mask in the last movie and you kind of see what Jason was all about right he's it's maybe a few sandwiches short of a picnic maybe a few 
few tools short of a, a garage. He's not. He's maybe not all there. He, that's maybe why he's not as as good at killing. Maybe. Oh, he's a monster inside and out. Yeah. Mm. Oh yes. Now, Danny Steinman directed this. Nathan, does that ring a bell? Uh, no. No, and it shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't I, ring a bell to anyone. I have no <laughs> clue who that is. No one knows this guy. Little tidbit of information here. Uh, we all saw the special appearance by Corey Feldman in the beginning of this movie, right? This movie was actually supposed to continue on with Corey Feldman continuing to play Tommy Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And they were going to write it out that way. But it turned out Corey Feldman was filming Goonies at the time. Oh, good career choice. Is he doing something better? And his agent made a smart decision. To go with the Spielberg movie? Right. So he was unavailable. So they had to rewrite the entire thing. They decided to jump it ahead in the future. Which no one really thinks about, but that would put the time era of the film in the 90s, which that does not look like. Wait a minute. Yeah. They they rewrote a horror movie script? So Weird. Corey, Corey <laughs> Feldman's agent decided, you know what, instead of doing this Friday the 13th part 5, why don't we follow the director who did Jaws and E.T., the huge box office smash? Why don't we go ahead and do the next movie he's doing. And what a horrible career choice. He could have been the Friday the 13th god instead of the fucking shitty, forgettable Lost nothing boys. that he turned into be. Not only did they have to rewrite the entire movie because of that, they wanted to go and grab him for that initial scene at the beginning to kind of bridge the barrier, I guess. And they had to go all the way out to his house, and they filmed that scene in his backyard in the bushes with a guy standing next to him with his thumb over the end of a, of a hose. <laughs> That's hilarious to me because the scene that they had written is so much better. Oh, how much and more violent it was? They were like forced to do it that way because they, they had to film it in his backyard. That's kind of, you know, wow. Just bending to the actor and the movie means nothing. They just rewrite whatever they have to. It's terrible. Well, and he was filming Goonies six days a week at that point, they say, and it was like his day off, and he took his day off to film this short part in the beginning Uh-oh. of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh-oh. He's like, I work I f- 13 days in a row. Oh, my God. I feel a yeah. Back to the Future diatribe coming. Oh, God. Uh, that's nothing, Jasmine, okay? Um, <laughs> Michael J. Fox was doing Family Ties and Back to the Future at the same time. He was doing Family Ties during the day and and Back to the Future in the evening and at night. And uh, they had people pick him up at 6 in the morning and drop him off at 2 in the morning. So so are you saying all that stress and anxiety from doing and two projects at once is what gave him Parkinson's? Parkinson's? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Okay. I'm saying that the guy didn't have a day off. All right. Corey Feldman can just, you know, suck it. Yeah, up. but wait, was he 12 years old? Were they literally <laughs> breaking <laughs> child labor laws? Pretty sure some child labor. Maybe they just didn't care. It's 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Or that hardcore cinema. then. This is cinema. They have different rules, all right? You I look at the uh, the SAG contract, I think it kind of takes care of all that uh, stuff you're whining about right now. <laughs> I, I just can't believe that you're just just praising Michael J. Fox for all the work that he did that brought on his Parkinson's. I mean, that seems awful. It wasn't the work he did that brought on the Parkinson's. <laughs> it's like you want him it to was have the, Parkinson's. It was the 20 Pepsis and two packs of cigarettes a day. So we've got no Jason, no Corey Feldman storyline, and the MPAA came in here and just 
destroyed it. I think maybe they were pissed. They were like, we thought we were done with this. Like, <laughs> you we, told us? We gave you a little bit of leeway with the last film because we thought this was all over. We gave you a spear gun to the dick uh-huh. in the last final one. Final chapter. <laughs> yeah, final. Yeah, no, I, I, I made that observation before I read any trivia or read anything about it that every single freaking kill was like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, I, I didn't get to see anything. Yeah, I'd like to see that go in there, please. Yep. Yeah. All these like great scenes that are about to happen, and every single time, it's just, oh, no way, where'd it go? It's kind of, it's kind of sad actually, because I've actually started to appreciate Friday the Thirteenth movies more so than Nightmare on Elm Street, because Nightmare on Elm Street seems to be getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse, and worse. Friday the Thirteenth, at least, is perfecting on its own formula and is by just know, redoing and redoing and redoing. Yeah. <laughs> I have more respect for it though because it's executing and there's a lot more you know nudity and tits to look at. So, yeah, it is a plus. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot it's more. There's a lot more killing too in general. Yeah, <laughs> though in this and one, I can't I, believe they. Sorry, go uh, ahead, Jonathan. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I noticed in this installment there's a lot more of we see the body dead and we can infer how it died, but we don't actually see the murder. Yep. Whereas in all the other ones, you see every murder that happens. Yes, the director who also co-wrote this said that the producer told him they want a death every six to eight minutes. So that's what he did for him. That explains some of the weird random deaths just at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, yeah, in general, he's like, he's just going through this town randomly killing some people, like not related to this. Yeah, not at all. Crazy house at all, just like in town. Yep. That's what gets the cops on him. See, if he would have just killed people at the crazy house, no one would have cared. But he started killing some citizens. They're like, uh-oh, people are concerned. They could be randomly killed by some crazy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand why some of these murders happened at all. I mean, knowing who the killer is. Yeah, well, to be fair, we don't we don't know who Roy is. We don't have a lot of... It's kind of a loner. A lot to work off of. Yeah, all we get is a little, you know, here's what happened in case you didn't get it speech, and that's it. Does it really matter? Does it really matter who put on the mask and who killed people? It's all, yeah. That's what they were kind of trying to do. You could see they're kind of trying to push the series towards that kind of concept. Mm-hmm. And I wish it continued. I really do. I read that it doesn't. I read that the next movie he's going to be resurrected somehow, and it's disappointing to me. You know, it seems like the entire movie they were really pushing to make you think that Tommy was the killer. Right. Yeah, or at least to make it a mystery, kind of like part one. That's why I was saying it was. Yeah. It reminded me of part one. Is that they? Who's it going to be? Who is it? Yeah. Well, they yeah. don't show them at all. They show like hands mm-hmm. and back, like shadows and mo- moving parts, but they never actually fully show him. Yep. To the end. It really should have been Tommy. That would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, they want you to think that definitely. He, I think Tommy even thinks it some of the time. He's like staring in the mirror. He's like, am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> he is on a lot of drugs. He reminded me of Jesse from Nightmare on That's Super what I too. said. I thought he looked like him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A little bit looked like Jesse and he had the same, you know, strung out. Uh, t- took the role very seriously. Same thing as Jesse's character. Yeah, yes, that's was. right. They take it very seriously, the both of them. Yeah, because he like, he went, this guy went to a mental hospital or something and 
yeah, took it very, very seriously. Is that why he only says a handful of words throughout the entire movie? Same. He doesn't say much. He doesn't say 20, much 24 words. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> wow. the internet count is 24. Wow. 24 words. That's He's awesome. He's the star of the movie. That's awesome. But well, he has he has a lot of screen time. Sometimes it isn't always about words. A lot of shirtless screen time. In fact, back in the day when I was in school to be an actor, and just what? so everyone knows, I didn't become an actor. So <laughs> I, I failed. But... Um, we did like an acting for film and television class, and they showed us scenes of movies where famous actors weren't speaking because they wanted to convey to us how you had to hold the camera's, you know, eye or or be interesting without without saying anything. And um, so I just want to make the point that not saying anything doesn't necessarily mean anything. It just means that you have a harder job to maintain the camera's interest in you. Our next movie is named Friday the 13th, Part 5. And why was I so lucky that I got to review this movie instead of you? I'll get my chance. I don't know. I guess the big dice up in the sky rolled and said Friday the 13th, Part 5. For Roger, this movie is subtitled A New Beginning. That's because Part 4 was called The Final Chapter. And they didn't think that Part 5 would sound real good if they called it the first epilogue, I guess. But actually, this movie is just more leftover recycled garbage from the last four times around. It uses the same basic old formula, the formula I call the dead teenager formula. You know, where there are a lot of living teenagers at the beginning of the movie, and by the end of the movie, all of the teenagers are dead. They are apparently all being killed by Jason, the guy in the hockey mask, who has been slicing and dicing teenagers with his machete for five movies now. And the formula is always the same. Jason is out there in the wind and the rain, and there are dead bodies all over the house and everybody is screaming and their clothes are ripped off their backs and there's blood all over and so of course more teenagers think it over and decide that what they've got to do now at this moment of crisis is walk out in the forest by themselves jason is out there there are dead bodies everywhere let's go skinny dipping the producers of friday the 13th part five have decided not to supply any scenes from the movie for reviews on television and I wonder why not, or maybe I don't wonder no, why not. No, you know In fact, why not. Maybe I'm happy that we don't have to look at any scenes from this movie again. But what we do have are the coming attraction trailers from the film, and this is as close as I hope you get to this movie. Yes, we've already kind of covered it a little bit. We open up, little young Tommy, little Corey Feldman Tommy is traipsing through the woods. His little jacket on, flashlight everywhere. Comes across. Of course it's raining. Of course it's raining. Of course. Comes across Jason's grave. Freshly filled grave. He takes a moment, he stares at it, he's a little bit freaked out, wonders where he is. Here's some people coming through the woods. So he goes off and hides. Turns out these guys are some very enthusiastic grave diggers. Yeah. Like, oh shit, Jason Voorhees. Faster, faster, dig, dig, faster, yeah. faster. <laughs> yeah, they dig, really want to dig fast. And they keep going, woo, yeah, woo. It's so exciting digging up this fucking lunatic. You know, for as fast as they're digging, Jason's only like three inches under underground. Oh yeah, even, they're like not moving. They're not moving a whole lot of dirt. Yeah. I want to tell you what happened to me during this scene. My girlfriend was watching it with me, and I I said, "Are you serious? Are you kidding me? These two lame idiots are coming out of the woods to unearth Jason Voorhees. That's how they decided to do this." <laughs> oh my god! They were god. like, "No, he's yep. coming." That, that, oh my god! And then my girlfriend says. At least it isn't dog piss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was me through a lot of this movie. There were a lot of scenes where I was like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. What? They're doing what? This was one of them. 
<laughs> <laughs> but like but like Chelsea says, it isn't <laughs> it's not dog piss, it's not Nightmare on the Elm Street bad, it's Friday the thirteenth, just you know, whatever. It kinda makes sense actually, in terms of the franchise, the way that they do things, just eh, just two random guys with shovels. Sure, that works. <laughs> Throw them in there. Let's get to the tits. Can you guys be more excited? Do a couple of yeehaws for me. <laughs> yeehaw! Woo! Yeah. And we need you to play the part of Neil, the wacky grave robber. What? Yeah, we need you to be a grave robber and be wacky. I don't, I don't understand. Make what that a motion means. with your arms like you're shoveling stuff. <laughs> just, just act like you're shoveling stuff. We need you to. That's s- good. That's we need good. you to say yeehaw and yippee a lot. I will say though that um, when Jason climbs out of his grave and stands up and starts walking. I was also disappointed by his gait. I don't know. He he seems to be pigeon-toed in this movie or something. And really skinny. Yep. Yeah, like there's Very something skinny. off about like. Come on, he should be hulking. He should he should have a, a death stalk, not a awkward stance where it looks like he might be slightly bow-legged and maybe pigeon-toed. I don't I don't know something about it. You guys get this? Something yeah, about it. And before yeah, the movie, not menacing. The the movie before it seemed like the hockey mask barely fit on his face. Because he had the huge retard head going. Mm-hmm. And now the hockey mask covers his entire face. And his hands are normal hands again. Yep. They took away his monster hands. Well, it's a different person. Well, I know, but at least you could have kept that. You know, just the little details. If they kept that, then it would have been Jason in the in the mask. And it's not. It's Roy Byrne. No, in the dream <laughs> it was Jason. It was supposed to be... It was Corey Feldman's dream about Jason. Okay. At the beginning, you can win. You can win on that argument alone, but Corey know, Feldman was the same, wasn't dreaming it was the same about actor. Roy Burns. It was the same actor. It was the same actor. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. That was, did both the dream sequences and the regular sequences. So. Yeah, it was the same actor. Weird thing in the dream though is that they buried Jason with a machete and an ice pick. Yeah. <laughs> and he's ready to go. Just stabs each one of the grave diggers. Gets out of the grave. Nice little menacing shot. Not so menacing because he's skinny. And then he walks over and he goes to chop Tommy with the machete, who's just. In the bushes, I guess, pissing his pants. Yeah, shaking. Seems like a weird thing for Tommy to do, <laughs> considering he hacked him to death. Yeah. And yeah. then Tommy wakes up. In... Ten years in the future? Uh... How old, How Nathan, how old, or anybody, how old is Tommy supposed to be? Maybe 21. Let's make him legal. Yeah. So he's, he's a, a, a young adult. He's blonde and... now. You guys said he was nine in the previous movie, I think, when we bantered about him uh, masturbating inside of his no, pants. No, no, we went, to be fair, we went back and forth between nine and twelve. Okay. Okay, Tommy shows up, he's tragically induced with the horror of his dreams, blah de blah He's, you know... <laughs> yeah, he's in, the, he's in the backseat of a wagon, of which he's obviously being carted around in. It looks like an official thing that he's stuck in, like it's not just the backseat of his friend's car. No, he's he's locked back there, there's a divider... Yeah, it's, it's between a him and the drivers. He's being transported okay. from the Unger Institute of Mental Health. My question is, what did he do? You you see his behavior. He's silent. He's moody. He doesn't smile ever. He's also what a kung he, fu master. Mm. What did he do uh, he, to earn the right to come out to this retreat as a solution for his mental problems? What did he do to earn this opportunity? Probably had him in like a high security thing for like ten years, which is like most of his life. And they're like, "Well, you haven't really lived or done anything, so we're gonna give you to like a low security, yeah, crazy house." And you still you, be watched. Your but. family's out of money. 
Why don't they just rent out the cabin a little bit more? We still should probably be detained in some way, because he did kill someone violently. He is a murderer, but <laughs> where's where's Trish? Where's his sister? Oh, shit. Sister left him for dead. Can't left him for dead. Doesn't give a shit anymore. She kept visiting him, hoping that he'd get better, but he just kept declining and declining in mental health until he was nearly catatonic, and then they had a big dramatic um, moment. She just couldn't take it anymore and stopped visiting, and now he's like totally disconnected. And she stopped paying for him, and now he's being sent to this institute. It's pretty sad, Nathan. <laughs> Trish, Trish did what everyone from a Friday the 13th movie experience who is a survivor should do. Die. Move on. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and Get go far. somewhere further away than Jersey. So is that where he still is? Is Tommy still in New Jersey? I have no idea. Is where that they where are. this Pinehurst halfway house is in New Jersey? I have no idea where well, Pinehurst they is. They know who Jason Voorhees is. Everybody in so, the world should know who Jason Voorhees so is. Is this, this a, yet another well, no. place surrounding Crystal Lake? It was in the area. It was not too far down because I think he says when he talks about Roy, he's like, "Oh, it happened a few counties over." That's oh. what they mentioned it. So it wasn't too far away. But he's nice like, catch, nice catch, yeah. Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Nice catch. He was saying he's like he figured he heard about it and it was like. Not too far away, so it would make sense yeah. that he could have gone that far. And we get another nice uh, explosion during the title screen because we cut the credits here. <laughs> they let you know that Tommy's all grown up. Ooh, big surprise. They throw you to the credits. Awesome explosion. <laughs> I'm, and then I'm, immediately just starts with all the names at the beginning and kills all the momentum again. Yep. And I, I don't... Watching this movie so many times, I get the feeling that that they just told the director a bunch of key characteristics of what the franchise had become, and he just did that. <laughs> like they were like, people do have sex and do drugs, and when they do, they tend to get killed. And uh, the title screen explodes. And uh, last time we had a kid, and it worked. <laughs> and I feel like the director was just like, all right, got it. Checked his little list off: kid, deaths, drugs, tits, boom. And he, by being that bland about it, he almost <laughs> made. A, a better movie than the ones that came before. <laughs> Almost. Is, no, is, Nate's right. I think I think this is probably the best one so far. Sure. If you take the MPAA out of it, if you could watch this without the editing, the X-rated version would have been tip-top, I think. Aside from the redneck characters, who are awful and, and terrible, and if you cleaned the one of them up, they would be cute, but... I think, really, if you could see the death scenes happen all the way, which is what they initially intended, if you were going by intention, I guess, then, you know. Because number four, that guy in the morgue just kills it. (laughs) No, he doesn't kill it. He makes it. He was an added bonus. (laughs) Sandwich on the dead body, fucking next to a corpse. Jesus fucking Christmas, fuck! Yeah, see? All that helps. All that helps. It, It adds to the... Panache of the series. I'm not sure I used that word correctly, but I'm just going to use it anyway. Mm-hmm. But now we're at the Pinehurst Youth Development Center. This is a halfway house for juvenile delinquents. This is where Tommy is going to. And, uh, you know, they stop the car. Billy, Billy the orderly, gets out. The past, I love Billy. The guy who was reading Playboy yes. in, in the passenger seat. That very yeah. same Billy, guy. Billy reminds me of the guy in the morgue it's the same guy <laughs> it's the same per- yeah he would also look at de- dead naked chicks and like it yeah it's it's the same character 
you know, different actor, but they play the same fucking guy. But he's great because he's like, hey, Tommy, you want to get out? We're here. And Tommy just does his asshole, like, stare at you and not blink and not talk. <laughs> or move or do anything. To yeah. yeah. I mean, I know Tommy. You. And he's like, fine, just stay in there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I know Tommy's seen some shit and his life has been pretty rough, but you don't need to be such a prick about it. No joke. Tommy's kind of a dick. It really bothers me when they're like, I get you don't talk much, but can you maybe nod your head? He's just... Just acknowledge something. I get that you hacked up a psycho serial killer to death when you were 12. And I'm sure that that fucked you up. But you speak English. Mm -hmm. Fucking answer me. But we're introduced to Pam, the Mm. assistant director, and Dr. Matthew Letter, the director. You think Pam and and Dr. Letter had something going on? Oh, yeah. You think so? That's why she got the lead role. Yeah. You don't sit on, like the countertop of your boss's office like that and cross your legs unless there's something going on. That's a good point. But um Nathan, do you recognize this guy? Um he reminds me of the guy from the beginning. You're talking about the leader of the whole thing? Yeah, the, the yeah, the, yeah, the director of the institute. He reminds me of the guy and I haven't <laughs> looked him up so I don't know if I'm right. But he reminds me of the guy from the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Who kind of schools young Indy at the beginning, played by River Phoenix. You lost today, kid. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to like it. That's, that's him. How Indy, that's how Indy gets his hat. Yeah. yeah, it is totally that fucking guy. That's awesome that I picked that up. Cool. I I still have no clue who the fuck you guys are talking about. <laughs> well, that's because Daniel and I are more of an authority over movies than you are. Don't feel bad. Tommy gets sent off to his room, and Pam and Letter go over his profile he's been given every sort of treatment every sort of drug it's amazing this kid can even function they make a big point to point that out but what bugs me about that is the fact that they pointed so much out and then you get to see the sheet and it's not completely filled and they're skipping a whole bunch of lines yeah it's like it's just a couple of things in there they're missing some treatments if he's had every treatment and every drug known to man they're missing some shit yeah well mental health in the 80s wasn't so hot like the, the notes would read like uh, we slapped him a lot, and it didn't work. We threw him in a pit full of lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tommy's in his room, looking at a picture of his allegedly dead mother and very much alive sister. And he goes to put his clothes in his closet, and, oh, little gag. There's a rubber spider in there. And also a small child. <laughs> you you scared of spiders? Yeah. You scared of rubber spiders? Here comes... Get a rubber spiders on strings. <laughs> on, st- <laughs> on strings. Reckless Reggie. I love Reckless Reggie. He's a cute kid. Why is he called Reckless? I mean, isn't that obvious? Because he scares recently admitted psychopaths <laughs> in a halfway house without any worry at all. And, yeah, he, he basically calls Tommy a little bitch for being so scared. So Tommy puts on his freak fish... Weird fish monster mask. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that's what I thought mask. it looked like. It actually scares the shit. Fish vagina mouth. Out of Reggie, yeah. And then he's like, oh, did you make these? Or why are you, why are you freaking out by me touching your mask? Did you make these or something? And he's like, yeah, I made all of them. Well, he's like, because he didn't want to go over on the word count, it was just, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I made all of them. 
I haven't made any new ones in 10 years, but <laughs> I made them. In fact, the ones that I made 10 years ago were actually better quality, so my mask-making ability has deteriorated. Yeah. These are probably the same ones. I don't think they let him use, like, scissors and any materials that he would actually need to make them when mm-hmm. he was in the loony bin. So those are probably the old ones they had from before. Oh, they're definitely the old ones. And Reggie looks in the rest of the bag, and he's like, do you just have a bag with only masks in it? Is that all that you travel with? <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is really weird. Yeah, after we learned that uh, Reggie is not a nut and doesn't actually go to this place, he's just visiting his granddad, who's the cook for this place. Is he the cook? Yeah. Okay. Or the chef for... Oh, right, he was the guy making breakfast. Yeah, he makes big, big, huge piles of eggs. Yep. But the way everyone reacts to the cops showing up at this place is like kids reacting to an ice cream truck. Yeah, everyone right. comes out front to see what's going on. Yeah, people come out of like they the gather. woods and stuff, like waving their hands over their head and screaming like they're excited. And the sheriff gets out and he's a little smug. He's kind of popular around these parts. You're like, what am I? What's going on right now? <laughs> yeah, that sheriff's got a lot of swagger. Yeah, yep. I like him. Yep, we picked up some kids fucking on the rednecks' property again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Neighbors aren't happy. This last time. Neighbors aren't happy about the loony bin being next door. Yeah. Can your teenagers not penetrate each other on this lady's land? And this lady is fucking crazy. Eddie and Tina get out of the back of the car. And they're the ones that were fucking out in the woods. And, you know, we let on that Ethel is kind of dangerous. And then they show up. I'm pretty sure these are Nathan's favorite characters. <laughs> Who, Ethel and Junior? Ethel and Junior. Nathan, those are your favorite characters? No, I don't like either character, but I was mentioning to earlier that Ethel, if you cleaned her up, <laughs> if you watch, You usually want to have sex with this middle-aged lady, don't no, you? No, 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 no. I mean, all of her features are symmetrical, she's, so why wouldn't you? She's not middle-aged. Shut your fucking mouth. If you cleaned the shit off her face, which is obviously just retarded dirt that they threw on her face. Oh, it's yes. underneath her fingernails and on her hands, too. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't look dirty. She looks like she's been made to look dirty and cover up. Dirty. Like, she should be more rough. They should have casted that character as someone who was actually ugly. I think mm. when she's cooking and chopping up that turkey, she looks pretty damn dirty. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Though like her vegetables are oddly clean. Yeah. But yeah, we get you it. Either, You're attracted you to old, filthy ladies. Don't. You either get my point or you don't, or you act like you don't get my point so that I look like an ass. <laughs> I think it's the third option. No, I mean, we get what you're saying. Yeah, they probably should have cast like a weird, scary, wrinkly old lady who actually like had one eye or something. We get it. There you go. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. You know, I think this is the first time you have helped me. I'm going to acknowledge you. Thank you very much. So she's so pissed off that this loony bin as as they call it is in the area but in the area you have a trailer park you have the shitty fucking hillbilly shack where ethel lives you have a diner that nobody goes to yep. and this upscale halfway house for troubled children it seems like that's the nicest thing in the fucking area mm-hmm. so i don't understand why ethel is so pissed off that this nice quasi resort style loony bin is raising her property value Right. Well, her hands are probably full taking care of her incest-born son. He's from The Hills Have Eyes, right? Oh, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought of when I saw him, too. Those two characters are moving against the current of this movie. Very much so. Well, I mean, at the beginning of, at the beginning of 3D, um, it's those two jackasses in the, in the cottage, you know. 
or the convenience store or whatever the hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the bunnies. Those, yeah, same thing. Yeah, but they, they took care of them early. Ethel and Junior stick around throughout most of the movie. And I mentioned to Jonathan, they those two characters belong in something more uh, uh, psychotically energized, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like they belong in that kind of movie where everyone's gross all the time and screaming at each other, instead of uh, yeah, they definitely seem out of place. Stop being a dildo. (laughs) They definitely deserve to be in a shitty movie, though, right? Yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then we've you know. They are sort of in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) And and this just goes, like this scene where they introduce Ethel and Junior and all that shit, where this just goes back to like the laissez-faire type attitude that all law enforcement seems to have in these movies because Ethel is in front of everybody threatening to shoot people and she's gonna blow everybody up with a fucking bomb. Yes. And and the Dr. sheriff Dr. is just like, eh, you know, crazy old Ethel, just very well, nonchalant she about it. everyone with a bomb. But no, just let her get out of here. Leave Whatever. her alone. Yeah, yeah. That's how the sheriff handles her. It's like <laughs> Ethel, crazy old Ethel Hubbard, always threatening to kill herself and everyone around her. <laughs> That's what she does. Joey yeah. makes an appearance. Yeah. This takes us. Yeah. This takes us into. A scene where I'm always consumed by how dull Victor's axe is. Victor's chopping wood. He chops wood throughout the entirety of this scene yep. and gets nowhere. He chops halfway through that piece of wood the whole time. And all that happens is splinters just blow out of that log. But either way, yeah, sorry, continue. Joey so walks Joe, out of the house. Joey's the new Shelly, mm-hmm. right? They even kind of look the same. Joey's got candy bars stuffed everywhere. Chocolate all over his face. Chocolate, Chocolate placed, placed by his, the corners of his mouth. Like no one gets that kind of streaks. That's true. That's true. It's like when you were a kid at Halloween as a vampire, where you had like the streaks yes. of fake blood down the side of your mouth. That's exactly right. Yeah. I want to get into Joey here, but I also just want to quickly revisit this axe business because Daniel seems very choked up about the continuity or. Or effectiveness of an axe chopping into wood. Mm-hmm. That irritates you? Yeah. Of all the continuity errors and bullshit in horror movies, in both this and Nightmare on Elm Street, this is what irritates you? Yeah, because it's, axe cause it's over is, and I mean, over. Splinters are flying, so it's not like the axe is doing nothing. No, he's, he's doing something. Yeah, he's, he's blunting the wood. That's what he's doing. No, it's because it's over and over again. It's in your face. It's not a one-shot and a cutaway or something that you could have inferred might be badly done. It's there the whole time, just in your face. You watch it throughout the entire scene, and it's distracting. (laughs) I think that there's certain things in life that just get underneath your skin, (laughs) And, and... and it's funny when we find out what they are because God, good thing just, he wasn't can, like can, gumming a banana at the same time. <laughs> I can I can hear the tension in his voice. It's just sitting there, you know, <laughs> just just fucking with you the whole scene, just constantly. Oh. oh, I want to point out Daniel is laughing hard enough at this point where veins are popping out of the side of his head. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm blushing because I don't like when people notice things that I do. Um. <laughs> okay, now this this Joey character. I want to say that. This is one of the few moments in a horror movie that I have been incredibly satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> because this kid, this kid 
He's talking to the girls. He's a terrible actor. He's just awful. He's got the chocolate on his face. Just like, will someone please kill this guy? <laughs> <laughs> just like, please, somebody kill him. And boom, <laughs> immediate satisfaction. Oh, oh, I, I was know. Like, I was like, what? Is this a dream sequence? What the fuck? That was exactly oh, my yeah. thought. I looked over yeah. at Daniel. I looked over at Daniel. I was like, did that really happen? Did he just <laughs> die right now? It's like, this is another dream sequence. Nope. Joey's fucking dead. That is right. <laughs> Joey is dead. And he doesn't get much screen time, which is sad because Nate calls him a bad actor, which is... They all all are, <laughs> but he's he's got a charm to him, and he's so nope. gross. The way that he squeezes that chocolate bar, like he just squeezes it between his filthy fingers the whole time. He's freaking out everybody, and the way that he sticks his his chocolate fingers all over the nice clean sheets to help the girls out with the laundry, and they totally tell him to fuck off. They're like, "You're such a fucking loser. He's such an asshole." <laughs> what I what I thought actually, honestly, was. The scene with the girls was terrible. And the scene with Victor was actually significantly better. So I thought yes. <laughs> they had done the scene with Victor like significantly more times. And he just was better via the amount of takes they did. Because, yeah, the one with the girls was brutal. You know, this, this scene with Joey just really makes me want to know what this Pinehurst halfway house was like with Joey. You know, mm-hmm. like he's yeah. just running around fucking shit up. Like it could be a nice little sitcom. Yep. Just all Joey getting into trouble. <laughs> Joey. You know, we understand chocolate smears for, and everything. Uh-huh. We could just we can understand the lead up for Victor, right? Like this has been going on. Right. For <laughs> yeah, that's a right. You know, he's chopping that wood with that horribly dull axe because of Joey. Joey. <laughs> that's right. He, yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. He's dulled it from all the wood chopping <laughs> yeah. he does to get he's out his murderous feelings. He's not trying to cut the wood. He's trying to release his, his, uh, his frustration, you know? He's out there like, I swear to God, if he offers me that chocolate bar, I'm going to stab him in the fucking back. <laughs> <laughs> offers him the chocolate bar. <laughs> Vic, you're just way out of line. You're just way out of line. Yeah. Oh, yeah? But it's so sad because you... He tells him that he's an orphan and he's never found a place. Everyone's always called him a pig and like a slow pig. And yeah, so he expresses how he's hated being alive his entire life and then he dies. Let's see, yeah, but yeah. So that is real. It's a real death, not a dream death. It's a real death. Victor fucking chops up Joey, uh, something fierce. Ambulance arrives. Two paramedics arrive. One of them, the blonde one, is really gross. He's we, like, we never get his name, do we? No, I have his name somewhere in here, but no, we don't get it. And he's kind of like gets off on how grossed out everyone is about the body. He wants to show yeah. everybody the body. Calls them a whole bunch of pussies because they don't—they're not eager to yeah. go see it like he is. Yeah, he's probably supposed to just peek underneath and then maybe take the body away. But he kind of exposes it a little bit so that they are, everyone watching can get a good peek. We see that Joey's arm has been completely chopped off and stacked on top of his body, <laughs> but. The Burnett paramedic, Roy, is very affected by this. Did you say Burnett? Burnett, yeah. Brunette? Brunette, sorry, yeah. Brunette. <laughs> All right, I was confused. And he's uh, very affected by this. Lots of long stares at the camera. Uh, lots of stares at the blonde paramedic that you assume, if you've never seen him before, that he's just considering the blonde one a dick. Right. 
but there's a much bigger reason that we all know. When you rewatched this scene, Daniel, did you see anything coming from Roy that would indicate this is about to go down? Does um, he look upset? There, they leave. They put a lot of little clue scenes in there for you that you just, that you just gloss over. Oh, yeah. yeah. You realize later when you watch it again after you've watched the ending that other things are related to that guy, and that's how they kind of hint that he was the killer. Yeah, that's, that's the perfect moment to do that because you're immediately thinking oh Vic's gonna grab that mask Victor's a psycho yep, yep. Victor's gonna escape somehow and kill everybody so yep, that all was... your attention is on Victor and you have to yeah you, you would it, it, it's a nice place to do that yeah my thought throughout the movie was it was either gonna be Victor because he's already shown that he can just kill somebody on a whim or it was gonna be Tommy mm-hmm. so having it be Roy at the end was a little different Little twist, yeah. And now we we cut away to two random uh, leather-clad homosexuals on their way to a motorcycle enthusiast party. Are they actual homosexuals? I, I don't know. Just... I've never seen anyone in my entire life wear one of those leather, like nineteen fifties leather caps. Hats. I don't even know what that kind of hats those are. Like I want to say cop hats, but they're not because they're leather and rhinestone. <laughs> no, he's like the leather biker guy from the Village People. Yeah, that's exactly what they look like. Two, like, Guido guys dressed like village people. Pete and Vinny. Mm-hmm. And their car's broken. Uh, Pete is a is a fucking dick. Let's just get that out right now. Pete's yeah. an asshole. Yeah. He's sitting in the car. Vinny's trying to fix it with, like, a screwdriver in each hand, and he's just kind of jabbing tools <laughs> into the engine. Where's Tommy Jarvis when you need him? Exactly. Or where's Rob? <laughs> Was that his name? With his knife? Yeah. <laughs> just need a good old-fashioned knife. It's that solenoid. <laughs> But, um, yeah, he's a big dick. He, like, honks the horn so that it hurts his ears while he's trying to work on the engine. He keeps, like, talking down to him and calling him a bitch. And he goes off to take a crap. Which seems to happen in this movie. Yeah. Lots of shit's happening in this movie. Lots of shit's happening. Just in the series in general. Yep. And we've mentioned, or we've talked about it before, no no ass wiping. Lots of shitting. Mm. No one's ever wiping their ass. It's disgusting. Bunch of dirty fuckers. Yeah, he has a little scare scene out in the woods. But then we cut back to Vinny working on the car. A road flare kicks on on the side of the road. He thinks that it's Vinny just playing around with him. Pete. Uh, sorry, he thinks that it's Pete just playing around with him. But it's the killer. And who jams the lit road flare down his throat. Or into his open mouth and into the back of his skull or whatever. I don't know. Just in, into his open mouth and I don't, I'm not quite sure how he dies. I'm thinking the heat from the road flare melts his brain. I don't know. And the choking. Yeah, choking. Yeah, choking, choking on it. Okay, but what is Roy doing killing these guys? Is this like his know. test run or something? Yeah, maybe I'll take care of these two guys. Oh, they did say they were making fun of all the people at that Institute that youth yeah. that halfway house they were like are those fucking crazies I hope they all die but he was just d- randomly walking by right yeah. and he's he like no one's talking shit on about my son yeah. <laughs> shit is getting nuts <laughs> yeah let me hop into this mechanics onesie real quick yeah so he hops in the mechanics onesie really quick and then he puts on the mask and he's decided that he's going to do it he's basically you know had a psychotic break and he's he's just you know just setting out on his journey to do what he's about to do and he just randomly walks by these guys and randomly hears them like talking shit about the hospital they're like in the same area too where their car is broken down because he mentioned something he's like we gotta get out of here we're close to the loony bin or something Mm -hmm. 
does like a classic double take. <laughs> you know, like what 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 did they just say? <laughs> and that's why it's so like it's like so angry. That's why the flare is like shoved into his mouth just because he's pissed off. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. It, it incites his fury. That that was the right death for the wrong. Uh, person, uh, wrong person. Yeah, because it was Pete that was spouting his mouth out, just off about all the kids in the loony bin and talking a whole bunch of shit. It should have been Pete with the road flare down his fucking throat, mm. not Vinny. Yes, I yeah, I agree. Vinny got the harsher death because Pete comes back. He does mm. a little thing where he does the first of many times that this movie has its characters sing what they're doing weird and he just is walking to his car and he's like hey video piece of shit Vinny's dead body is laid across the engine obviously dead but he doesn't register it and he gets in the car and he's like come on motherfucker start motherfucker you piece of shit Vinny fix his fucking car <laughs> like, <laughs> singing his little song that, no wait, hold on that was a nice little rendition can you do more of that no but the, the, the better part is that Jason's been sitting in the back seat the whole time just enjoying this little song and uh or I say Jason Roy. Every time that I say Jason, I mean Roy. So yeah. it, it's going to happen because they just get so used to calling him Jason. I wrote down Jason throughout all my notes. But, uh, the Jason character. Yes, the, yes, the Jason imposter um, slices Pete's throat. Boring. Bo- very boring and Machete. very poorly done. Machete. Dies immediately. They could have had like some actual blood dripping or something, but it just looks like someone took some purple makeup and just smudged it across his neck real quick. And they were like, yeah, fuck it. Go. Yeah. I think that's going to be a redundant conversation for all of the death scenes in this movie. Probably. There's not enough gore, not enough blood, not enough visual on the actual kill kill. And they die very quickly. Like the action happens and there's no fighting back, no struggling, no gurgling, no like trying in any way, shape or form. They're just immediately dead. Exactly. Yep. Every death in this movie, the second they're penetrated or whatever, yeah. oh, lights out. It's like, uh, I yeah. just got the feeling like if Jasmine was in a Friday the 13th type slasher film and she had to perform a death scene, that she would give it her all. <laughs> It'd be like a minute and a half long. Oh, yeah. There'd be lots of screaming. I'd, I'd want to be a scream queen. I'd be like, ah! Mm-hmm. Like, falling. Pulling out whatever she was stabbed with really slowly. Like, oh, no! <laughs> you stabbed me <laughs> I'm dying you you're murdering me right now oh you're penetrating me with that weapon he's oh killing me he's fucking killing me and then more screaming just <laughs> but that's it they're done they walked away sorry well, you want to say something uh, yeah another bitch that I have it seems like in every one of these like slasher deaths like machete deaths or stabbing deaths or whatever we complain about Victor's axe being incredibly dull, and what's her name? Ethel has a super dull hatchet mm-hmm. while she's chopping up chicken yeah. later. Yep. It takes zero effort for that machete to slice through somebody. You know, either Roy is superhuman or that's the sharpest blade ever. It's the only sharp blade in this entire time. Only sharp blade. Hey, so it should be. As it should be. Mm-hmm. Just bugs me. Oh, it bugs me too. Because you're right, Ethel's blade is also very dull. It can't even cut through a chicken neck, and that bothers me. Okay, um, 
I ain't starting, man. You fucked up again. I, it ain't starting. I'm gonna kick your ass, kick your ass. Come on now, come on now, everybody. It ain't starting. Come on, <laughs> fix the fucking car. You fucked up again, you asshole. <laughs> you have the actual lines. <laughs> what you doing out there, Vinny? Yeah, that's the actual line. Yeah, that's pretty nice. good. But now, <laughs> now we return to Tommy engaged in his favorite hobby, uh, sweating profusely and not blinking <laughs> and hallucinating. <laughs> And uh, he can't stop the voices in his head. He's reenacting the whole die, die, die. Tommy, please stop. I want you to stop. Die, die, die thing in his head. The music is escalating. It's actually pretty intense. I actually get kind of uncomfortable during this scene. And he's grabbing pill bottles out of the drawers in front of the mirror. And it, the second, the second that pill touches his tongue, that's all, all it takes. All gone. Tommy doesn't even need to take these pills. No. He just needs to lick them. He just needs to lick them. This is. Just like how the deaths are instant, so are these pills. I love I love movie uh, time. The 80s. <laughs> I hate the chaos of these types of scenes, you know? Because, and I've, I've talked about it before, but I mean, he just scrambles for the pill bottle and he opens it up and it's okay to just toss half of the pills in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> All over the desk on the floor, like, the, the first thing that comes into my mind is... Dude, you're gonna have to pick all those pills up off. Ugh. Yeah, and yeah. if he's, and if I you're so he's erratic, so I, I can tell that he doesn't care because he's he's stressed out and doesn't care. But no, but that that goes to your point because if he's so erratic that he can't take pills properly out of a bottle, then he's probably not going to clean those up, and then he's going to run out. And he's going to be the kind of guy who's like, I don't know why I ran out when there's like 15 pills sitting behind a chest of drawers somewhere. <laughs> Dick. This is also how I knew that he wasn't the killer as well. Because if he's on medication, actively taking medication, he's not killing people. He's trying to stop the voices in his head, right? That's true. And the voices do stop, but he has a vision of Jason anyways that terrifies him. But it goes away. Not sure what to think about that. Stuff on the internet says that all this is supposed to be building and Tommy's supposed to be thinking that he's the killer and wondering that if he's doing it in his sleep or when he's hallucinating these Jason things, is he actually out killing somebody? But I don't feel like a lot of that registers. No, not no. at all. I think he, he tries valiantly, though, from an acting perspective. He's he's given it his all in terms of being on edge, you know? He does. He, is, he does purse his lips in anger a lot in this movie. No, I just think he, he, he did a good job mm-hmm. as far as horror movies go. But it's breakfast time now, Gramps is making food, Reggie's passing out the food, and Reggie wants to go visit his brother. He's like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about your brother. Let's see if we have time for that. Your brother's name is Demon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but jumping forward a little bit, when we meet Reggie's brother, seems like a cool guy. Like, why wouldn't you want to hang out with him? Yeah. Because he's living in a van down by the river. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he looks like the kind of guy who could put up a really friendly older brother front for like an hour and a half. And then after that, Reggie comes back and he's being totally neglected and ignored and he's off in the woods fucking Anita somewhere. <laughs> he's a character from Michael Jackson's Bad Video. Like, he totally is. Oh, that's got me. This has got me thinking about Chris Farley now. Thanks a lot, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to amount to Jack Squat. <laughs> Reggie seems like a well-adjusted young kid, Okay. I don't even know what he's doing here. What, what is Reggie doing there? He's visiting. He's Gramps vi- doing. He's there? visiting his grandpa. Yeah. I know, but what is Gramps doing there? He's the cook. He's the cook. He like they like oh. live there because they seem to be there all the time. Grandpa kind of lives there on on the premises because he makes all the food for everybody, 
And then Reggie is just visiting maybe from his mom's? Yeah, know. somewhere from out of town, so he's also staying there for the time. Mm-hmm. And he's while he's there down there, the Pop just Come and it. hang out with me, your grandpa. And your and brother, Demon. With this <laughs> weird place where a whole bunch of Crazy mentally people, yeah. unstable people are receiving treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's the 80s. Parents weren't, you know. All these unpredictably <laughs> violent people, one of which killed someone earlier today with an axe. But um, yeah, wouldn't you think after that happened that Reggie's mom would call and be like, "Someone was killed where you're at. You have to yeah. come home." Or no, <laughs> Reggie, you're going to stay with your brother Demon for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the, the minute that 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 Joey got killed, that kid should have been out of there. Yeah, no, he's gonna stick around. He needs to see how this turns out. Get crazier. Brings up a good question. Where the hell are Reggie's parents? Somewhere, somewhere mm-hmm. not caring. Maybe smoking crack. We have no idea. It's the eighties. And, and if they crack are, just came around, it's true. And if they are somewhere, <laughs> shouldn't Gramps have called them? Yeah. And said, uh, by the way, this is kind of where I work, and mm-hmm. somebody just got brutally murdered. Maybe, re- maybe Reggie saw through a window. Maybe yeah. not. Good chance Reggie will die. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Gramps is just going to kiss it better later. Let <laughs> oh, Gramps suck it. Kiss it better. <laughs> um, but now we have like a very tumultuous breakfast scene where all the youth have, are getting together and Violet has made a huge mistake and put down place settings for Joey and you, Victor. You, you, you don't, don't, don't set, set, set up. God damn it, Jake! <laughs> Don't set a p- 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 place for a d- d- dead person. Yeah, I killed Jake right away. Yeah, he should have been Joey. Yeah, he yeah. had the he had the Joey feel, but that's Jake. He's the stutterer. We also have Robin, who is just nothing. She's kind of there. a bland girl. Violet, who is the makeup gothy girl with the how do you say crimped it? hair? Crimped hair. Oh yeah, yep. the eighties. And then Tina with. The beautiful tits mm-hmm. and Eddie and Eddie. Tina's uh, Eddie's not there yet. Eddie's no, Eddie's not there. That's yeah, that, that's right. They're all fighting, but in comes uh, uh, Doctor Doctor Letter to calm everyone down. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to calm everybody down. Hmm. Hey, you know that guy that was brutally murdered in front of you yesterday? Yeah, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, it sucks, but no one here else is dead. And problem fixed. Everyone calm down. Everyone calms down, but then Tommy has to walk in and throw a fucking wrench into everything. And he just stands there awkwardly mm-hmm. for so long. The head guy, Letterman, or Letter, I keep on calling him Letterman. <laughs> just call him Matt. Matt. Matt <clears throat> keeps asking him, like, hey, Tommy, can you go get Eddie? Can you can you go fucking get him? Hey, Tommy, can you acknowledge that I'm talking to you right now and just go fucking get Eddie? <laughs> and finally he does. And so, Rice um, about to, right, shrugs it off. Yeah, Rice about to walk out the door. Boom, who is it? It's Eddie, Eddie in a monster mask. Mm-hmm. And whose monster mask? Uh, his monster mask. He made. He doesn't want anyone to touch. Exactly. So you touch my stuff. Exactly. Eddie's wearing Tommy's mask, and he takes it off, and he kind of throws it on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And he keeps. Like, uh, can you take a joke? Yeah. Can you take a toke? He keeps punching him <laughs> in the chest over <laughs> and over. Kind of like, hard. what's wrong? What's wrong? You can't take a fucking joke. And then. Tommy goes Tommy on him. He fucking snaps. I don't understand why everyone loves to scare the new psycho kid in the halfway house that nobody knows yet. Mm-mm. Hey, look, this kid that doesn't say a fucking word to anybody. Yeah. Why don't we keep playing practical jokes on him? It seems also, like that's the smartest thing to do. It seems like the kind of thing, you know, when 
people go to places like that, they want to know why everyone's in there. It's like jail. Why'd you go to jail for? Where'd you go to jail for? Everyone talks about it. So I'm sure they knew he, like, killed someone. Yeah, word got, you know? word got around. If the rest of them know about Jason Voorhees and the rest of them know about the kid that yeah, killed Jason Voorhees. Yeah, they know about the Voorhees. kid who killed Jason. And so they're like, let's egg him on. Let's joke with him. Let's jump out of places and scare him randomly. He's like, hey, aren't you the kid that turned Jason into, like, a pile of weak old pasta with a machete? <laughs> yes. Because that's all he would say. Now, it looks like Tommy is going to beat this guy to death. Like, he's Forrest Gump punching him, right? Mm-hmm. And what is a Forrest Gump punch? It's like that just straight back. Oh, right. Over and over again, gen- like piston driving. Well, he slammed, like body slammed him into this end table. Yeah. Just crashed him right through the end, end table. table yeah. yeah, he does pull a wrestling move on him. Yeah. yeah. Picks him up off the ground. That's weird. But then... Um, Tommy, Tommy can be in my corner anytime. He has no hesitation. Mm-hmm. He just gets right down to business. He can be a mic. I appreciate that. Of course. Not a psychopath. Just has no hesitation. He's taking... He, Jasmine, he's on drugs, okay? He's <laughs> taking medication. He's being treated. <laughs> he's maniac. <laughs> the, Matt. the main guy, Matt, he just kind of peels him off him and holds him against the wall. Yeah, kind of a little chokehold. Yeah. Like, up against he the wall. He's kind of throwing his wall a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. Until he calms down. But I'm going to take us through these next couple of parts. Uh, we have to deal with Ethel making disgusting stew for her son, who is eating it with a... Wooden spoon. Wooden spoon. So weird. I think a wooden bowl, too. Yeah, probably. He's not allowed to have anything sharp or anything that can break. And it's it's just all gross. Like, she says fuck a lot. because with, They took all the gore out of this movie, but they threw in a lot more nudity and a lot more fucks. It's just random, like, dildo. Yeah. You're just, a dildo. You're a fuckwad. Shut up, you moron piece of shit. Like, she just lays into her son. And like which fucking stew, don't you? Which well-deserved. Yeah, you know, he deserves it. He doesn't even care. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot, Mom. You're right. I love your stew. <laughs> and, um... What noise was that? That's the disgusting noise that he makes throughout that entire scene. Yeah. And... She's going to go take care of the coyotes that are killing all of her chickens. So she grabs her gun, heads for the door. There's a fucking vagabond there. Good word. Who's just looking for work because he's hungry? Yeah, name yeah. days, he says. Yeah. He's needed so, a random drifter so that we keep the body count up every six to eight minutes. Right. So is he here for more body count or is he the killer? Like, what did people think back then? Mm-hmm. Random stranger coming through town. People start dying. I'd ask questions of that guy. Mm-hmm. Goes to hide out with the two characters that nobody else wants to go fuck with. So he's kind of going to be on the down low. But all he has to do is clean up the chicken shit and he can have some food. He goes to do that. She goes to do her own thing. Uh, we have a little scene with Sheriff Tucker, who's coordinating a search party. Because they found the car where Pete and Vinny are, are dead. And it's in this scene, if you actually go back and rewatch the movie, it's in this scene where if you had even a hint that it might be Roy who's the killer, you would know it here. Why is that? Like you might have been busy taking notes, but uh, Roy keeps thinking that the sheriff is talking to him. He's like, ah, I don't know who would do something like this. And he's like, what? Did you say something to me? Well, who would do something to what? You know, kind of like nervous. Oh. And then there's another scene where he's like kind of admiring his own work before he puts one of the bodies into the back of the ambulance. Like he's kind of staring at it too long and kind of admiring it. So if you knew a little bit, you'd know from this part. Gee, it's really amazing how that hockey mask has stood up under the wear and tear of the last four <coughs> pictures, you know. Only a few scars. It's been burned, it's been sliced, it's yeah. been crushed. 
Well, you know, um, and I how like does a guy like that go into a store and buy a new hockey mask? <laughs> okay. I well, mean, what do you think he looks like underneath the mask? <laughs> I know exactly what. I'd love to give away the ending of this picture. I'm debating on I don't doing think that. You better Why don't do you that. finish your review okay, and then fine. I'll okay. maybe I'll reveal the The funny end. thing is, there's nothing in that coming attraction trailer to indicate that Part Five is in any way different whatsoever from the four other earlier Friday the 13th movies. And for that matter, there's nothing in this movie either that's any different from the first four, really. Not basically. But Part Five has done very well at the box office. Presumably because the teenagers who go to these movies know that there is absolutely no danger that they're going to be required to think or imagine or experience delight or joy or self-discovery. All they will have to do, all that's required of them, is to look at a lot of dead teenagers. And it occurs to me that teenagers going to a dead teenager movie are the equivalent of horses going to the glue factory. You know, I also wonder what the kick is at a certain point. Yes, I know it's fun to be scared, and no. sometimes, I suppose, in this picture, you are scared. I was surprised by one jump, uh, one, you know, rebirth from the dead at the mm -hmm. end. I'll give the film that much credit. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering what the delight is of the skewering. There's an awful lot of body piercing in this film, and I don't know what that kick is there. How many times do you have to see a pole go through someone's chest What's the fun of that? I mean, gee, it goes all the way through? Uh -huh. Or I didn't know that, it w that that's what it would look like if somebody got... I mean, what is that kick all about? But now we go to one of my favorite scenes, which is Billy pulling a 3-fucking-60 into the parking lot of this diner that nobody this cares about. fucking psycho. To pick up Lana, the waitress, to go out for a night on the town because he's been dumping bedpans all night and he's ready for a fucking party. <laughs> mm -hmm. He is ready to fucking party. My favorite part is when he snorts the coke. Yes. He's yeah. getting really, gets really impatient after that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, Lana, come on. Yeah, that's right. Come on, let's go. We're going to go party. Uh, I'm jacked up. Uh. Yeah, no, I, I love everything that plays out in this entire part. So I'm going to walk us through this real nice. But Billy arrives. He's stoked. Lana's stoked. All she has to do is just kind of close up some shit around the, the diner. Slap change. Some yeah, change. Yeah, change. Slap some lipstick the, on. The peekaboo boob scene. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Yes, that's great. Lana goes in. She's this kind of castaway character. We don't think we're going to get anything. But she goes into the bathroom and just lets her girls out. Like, oh, I'm ready or party time or something. Showtime or something. Mm -hmm. Showtime. Right? She's like, it's showtime. Admires them in the mirror a little bit. And uh, we only get a, like a, a second of it, though. It yeah, should have been longer. We only, we only get a second of that, but we get, it gets made up for much later. Billy is outside in his car getting a little bit bored, so he starts pulling out cocaine and little vials of cocaine and mirrors and utensils from all different places in his car. He pulls some shit out of his visor. He pulls some shit out of, like, between his seats. He's got a lot of paraphernalia in that car. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's got hiding spots. He's got stash spots, so he's, he's okay. Yep, he's, he's doing a little, little talk singing to himself. He's, like, forecasting the weather. He's like, it's going to be a little cold up on the mound today. Some snow flurries up my nose. And he takes a good long snort of off a line, and he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that your favorite part of the movie, Daniel? I think it is. I think the part where he's doing cocaine, just Billy in general. Could, just the could, reaction. Could you do his, like, his noise one more time? <laughs> he does it just like that, though. I'm not exaggerating it. No, you're pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, which is why it's so great. Uh. After he's done the cocaine, he's getting really, really pissed off. He's all amped up, just like Nate was saying. He's freaking out, honking the horn. Yeah, gets out of the car. Out the car. Yeah. And the killer slams an axe right into his bald spot. Yeah. Yep. Why? Why does Billy die? Right into the... <clears throat> he did drugs, and he was planning to fornicate. But 
the killer should have no clue who Billy is because Billy dropped off Tommy at the beginning and drove off. Right? Paramedics come later. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like another random people to kill. Like he was walking by and they're in the area of not much. And he's like, they look like they're going to fornicate. Let's kill them. It looks like he's doing the same thing Jason was doing in part four, which is making his way to the Institute and just kind of grabbing everyone along the way. Yeah. And, and I guess Pinehurst is really close to the Unger Asylum. Must be. There is no reason for him to kill these two people. Exactly. No, they're just on the way. Some random killing. Yeah, this is random misdirection. This is this is the producer saying six to eight minutes. We need two more people dead. No, Jonathan's right. It's every six to eight minutes there has to be a kill. So we're not ready to kill the other people yet. So here we go. Because as soon as she gets in the car without Billy there, Mm -hmm. she's like, "Oh, you just wasted a lot of money. I'm gonna do all your coke while you're gone." Yep, because he knocks the cocaine off of his seat or whatever onto the floor. Getting out of the car. Yeah, when he gets chopped in the back of his head. Okay. But when she leans over to grab that stuff off the floor, all the cocaine is still on the mirror. (laughs) So it's just (laughs) delicately just slid back onto the mirror. And she does a little snort of uh, a coke, which, of course, if her tits were in her death sentence already, that was it. Did she actually do it, or did she just pick it up and lean... She was. I oh, she, she might. She was, yeah, when she's getting she was ready leaning, to do it. She tasted it. She was like, "Yeah, mm, she yummy." It. She's like, mm, and she has it in her hand. And when she's leaned over, is when she sees the yes. killer. When she's legs. yeah, the legs and feet of the killer with the and axe. Yeah. yeah, the axe is dripping. And she screams. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then she gets a very edited cutaway shot of getting chopped in the stomach with an axe. Like mm-hmm. you see it for a second when she's already on the ground and it's just sitting in her. Mm-hmm. You don't get any of the actual penetration or swing or anything. Mm-hmm. And. So what now we have Tommy with more hallucinations of Jason. Uh yes, he's staring creepily out of a window again. Again. Yeah. Just not spasming on a bed this time. Mhm. Oh, I also want to mention before we go into this uh in this movie I noticed and this doesn't happen in the other movies I don't think or if it does it's very rare consecutive kills with the same weapon. Like Jason, wow. Jason's usually pretty good to switch it up almost every kill, even if they're like in the same room. Sometimes he'll use two different weapons. Sometimes he'll take one body that he killed with a weapon and hang it up somewhere with a different weapon. <laughs> like he's Jason's really about variety. In this movie, the axe takes out like two, three people in a row. A cleaver takes out two, three people in a row. Not changing it up as much. See, that's Roy, that's Roy. Roy didn't study. Not hard enough. He did study though. No, all he knew was jumpsuit hockey mask. Mm-hmm. Well, he also knows to throw bodies through windows. But sorry, enough of that. Back to Tommy. Shut Tommy's up. watching people. He sees Tina and Eddie run off into the woods. Has another vision of Jason. Uh, Eddie and Tina go to fuck in the woods. Yeah. They're like playing. And he's like, hey, let's go. And she's like, no, maybe not. And then she's like, okay. They go oh, yeah, no, they no. take the, the sheet. Well, no, they're headed off into the woods. But now we're over at Mayor Cobb yelling at Sheriff Tucker about how this is a small fucking town. Why are all these murders happening? Why can't you do anything? Why can't you get me a suspect? And Sheriff Tucker has the balls to say that he thinks it's Jason Voorhees. Right, and the mayor just flips out. Yeah, flips out. No, but Jason's crazy. dead. He's been cremated. Yep. Like, did you see his body cremated? Which he has some very good points. He's like, did you see this happen? Did you see him cremated? Because he could have, he's a pretty tricky motherfucker. He could have got up and walked out at the last minute and left some other body there for them to cremate or... Something crazy like that. Nope, this is bullshit. Give me a live suspect. And that's yeah. That's when the mayor brings Tommy into the room. 
And he's like, go ahead, Tommy. Tell them what you did to Jason. <laughs> he's like, no, no, he's dead. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he makes a big dramatic show of it. He takes an ashtray and dumps it out. And he's like, see, there's your fucking Jason right there. What a dick. Yeah. So Cut now back. we're back to Tina and Eddie, yeah, right? Now, yeah. now we get to see. You can tell that they're nice tits. Even while she's doing laundry. She's got her shirt on. No one's wearing a bra in this movie. No one. Even when she gets out of the cop car at the very beginning. That's true, too. Yeah. You can just tell. But now when she's doing laundry in that black top that's not buttoned really at all. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And Jasmine, yep. No bras in this movie. You know what I'd like to see? No bras in this house. Okay. Can we work on that? This is not the 80s, so. <laughs> well, neither is this movie. This movie is now the 90s. Yeah. Well, they didn't get that memo. Okay. <laughs> so they go at the sheet, and they go out into the woods. Dirty brown sheet in the dirty brown woods. And he's like, I got something to make this super fun. Mm-hmm. Got a jizzling. Yep. Yeah, they, go, they have like a, their own little fuck pasture. But yeah, but the important thing here is that there's a guy watching them fuck each other. The drifter. It's the drifter. Yeah. Or, you know, the vagabond. <laughs> Jesus. He's watching. He's two seconds away from jerking off in the bushes. Oh, his tongue was out like he was licking his lips. Oh, he, he was he licking his yeah, He exactly. was into it. Yeah. And you think for a second, like, oh, is he the guy? Nope. Stab in the stomach. Stab that guy. Dies instantly. Makes absolutely no noise yep. to alert the teenagers that are 10 feet away from him. Makes absolutely no noise once he dies. He's just like, ah, looks at it, and then falls over. Instantly dead. And I couldn't tell if it was a knife or a sharpened stick. I I wrote down knife to the gut. There you go. Okay. We'll go go with knife. And they have the quickest sex ever, right? Like, you don't even... I didn't even think that they had sex. And I was like, is he just going to go clean up before they have sex? Okay, you shut your mouth. You're making me feel real bad right now. So they had a yeah, marathon sex session. I thought, it was, a, I thought it was a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, it seemed to go on kind of long, actually. <laughs> I mean, this, obviously Eddie is Superman and lasts for hours and hours and hours. So Eddie runs off to do something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's wash gonna, up. He's going to go wash up. Go wash Eddie's up? Stream. Yeah, he got his filthy sex all, juice. Yeah. All her filthy sex juice all over him. You go wash on, up after not, sex? That is not what he did. He went over there to throw rocks into the water. Is that we just, oh. just run off to skip stones? Well, you know, he, 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 he says he's going to go wash up. Yeah, he goes to clean up because they just had sex. Yeah, and it's they, don't show him, they don't show him cleaning up. They only he, show him throwing a stone in the water. No, okay. he, like, puts water on his head, on his hair. Yeah, and, he like, comes back face. with his hair wet, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, he says he's going to go wash up. And he gets to the creek, and he kind of, like, is leaning down there, and he puts water on his head and on his face. And Well, hold on. Never mind that. You guys are skipping over the very important part of the oh, camera. So meanwhile, the camera just... Tina, on Tina. It's yeah. just laying out in the sun. Just laying out in the sun. Catching some sun. Tits resting beautifully. Yeah, this is something you don't usually get in these movies. You usually get like a quick shot of some boobs or a cutaway and shot side of, of her getting into bed. But no, you got a you got a full frontal shot of the lengthy of the boobs lengthy. just just hanging, and then you get a you, you know it cuts back to a wide shot of her just laying there, laying all naked there, sighing. Then, She's like, ah, oh. yeah. Yeah, she is satisfied. <laughs> yeah, she's she's after shocking with the trees around her. <laughs> it's just camera panning to different trees and her moaning in the background until eventually Jason comes up, or not Jason, sorry, the killer comes up with garden shears, hedge trimmers, hedge trimmers, and is that the same thing? Yeah, or, or and then either way, just. We don't see it, but he stabs down into her face and head like area. Because she does scream. She's like, yeah, she opens does her scream. eyes, sees him, 
Screams her head off. Doesn't try he to move. Doesn't move at all, but she yells about it. Paralyzed with fear. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend, or Eddie, who is supposed to be somewhere, hopefully not too far away in the stream, doesn't hear this at all. No one hears it. No nope. one heard her scream at all. It's the babbling brook. It's probably, oh, it's probably too loud. <laughs> Can't hear over this babbling brook. Stop babbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then Eddie walks back over. She's laying there naked, and he kind of flips her over. We see that it's been jammed into her eyes and then snipped across the bridge. Mm-hmm. He thinks she's asleep. He's like, oh, is this sleepy time? Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's all had her back turned to him, and he turns her over, and he's like, oh. oh yeah, he's like pulling his shorts up. He's like, yeah, I fucked her to sleep. <sighs> and then um, he, he freaks startled. out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, backs up against a tree. <clears throat> right? And now it's his time to die, and I was kind of confused by this. I don't know how he died. He just squeezed his head like a grape, I guess. He like It's it like a belt of some sort. Yeah, some weird, like, twisting mechanism with a belt with a... A branch. Yeah, it was like a belt with two loops on it, and he like stuck the branch in between it, and it's just twisting it to tighten it. Yes, to clarify, a leather strap has been wrapped around the tree and Eddie's head, and it's being tightened right from around behind. his eyes. Also, that is yeah. some expert aim right there. <laughs> I guess it goes just right over his eyes. When it, he yep. Wraps it Obviously, around the tree. Jonathan has never seen Shanghai Noon. <laughs> nope. No, I haven't. Where Jackie Chan uses that same technique to bend the the bars in the prison to get them out. Yes, he does use like a, a cinch like that, yeah. Yep. Nope. So apparently a lot of pressure can be applied with very little force. Yeah. I think is the reasoning behind this method because he just seems to twist it around and the leather strap is tightening so much that it it's squeezes cr- his head. Yeah, it's, it's crushing his He's supposed to be dying from his, his skull being crushed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of that scene was cut out. So, from here we meet uh, Demon, right? Like, the group's going to go see Demon. Well, so, it's... Pam is going to take Reckless by herself because cook Grandpa's got to cook or something. He's too busy. He can't do it himself. Yeah. So, he's like, Pam's going to take him into town. And they're like, hey, why don't you take that fucked up kid um, Tommy with you? Yeah. He hasn't been out yet. He's pretty crazy. Yeah, take this unpredictable psychopath who has proven very volatile in the last few hours. Take him with you, frail girl and little boy. Yeah. (laughs) This is also like day two of him being there, right? Like the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, hey, why don't you take Tommy with you? Have fun. Of course, Tommy says absolutely nothing. Just stares. Man man of little words. Yeah, man of a few words. Or expressions or gestures. He kind of nods and then gets into this truck. But as, as Nate would say, that's just more of a testament to his acting ability since he can carry a scene without saying anything. Yes. So Reggie was very impatient in the scene. He's like, let's go, let's go. Come on, Pam, let's go. <laughs> Want to go see go, Demon. Let's go, let's go. Uh, Pam and Reckless go over to Demon's van. Give Demon a little what's up. Demon's inside hanging out with his girlfriend, Nita. I think the first attractive black female in these movies. Because I know there was Sheila, but she was like the super doctored up nerd. She was cute, though. I was going to say, she was pretty cute. Was that this? That was Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare, I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. she's pretty cute. She's just kind of nerdy. But this is Anita. Mm-hmm. Reckless is like, freaking A. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Yeah. What? Yeah. He's like, that's my girlfriend. And Demon's not paying attention because he's too busy offering the plethora of junk food that he has available in he's, his van. He's got a fucking jack-in-the-box in his van, man. He's got What's going on in he's there? He's got tacos, egg rolls, a slice of... Enchiladas. And he, he ate the enchiladas. Yeah. He has a slice of sausage and cheese pizza and offers Reckless a beer. Yeah. But that was a joke. He's like, oh, no. I bet you do. 
Yeah, they're hanging out, catching up, being brothers. He gives uh, Reckless one of his cool-ass rings that he probably stole. And then it's time for them to go. Oh, I like the part, too, Bree. Why why the dangly earring, though? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Demon has, like, the one earring, right, that shows that you're a hard motherfucker. But why the dangly... Like chandelier looking the earring. Dangly is like extra hard like, motherfucker. It that earring Chain. belongs on a stripper's belly button. That's not that's not an earring earring. You know? Jonathan what? you can't explain what went on in the eighties. You, you can't really No one can say yeah. No one no. Can. It was a it was a lost decade with fashion. Yes. Full of so cocaine. lost. Mm-hmm. Could sum up the whole decade with Uh Uh yeah but it's important it's it's almost impossible to explain what demon looks like because he is such an epitome of 1980s michael jackson he's the michael jackson michael jackson was big then you know everyone wanted to wear the jerry curl and the leather jacket super jerry curl hair is glistening literally dripping dripping. a lot of soul glow in that hair and where full leather he from leather from head to toe that guy's he been looks in a very lot of familiar. movies. He was yes. uh, uh, Juana Man. He what? was Juana Man. <laughs> what? He's Juana done a Man. Lot of things. Okay. Do you remember Juana Man? No. Where he, I never saw it. But he gets I, kicked I know out of the NBA, about. and so he joins the WNBA by doing by dressing by up as a woman. going drag. So it's like ladybugs, but with basketball. Yes, and demon. And demon. Yes. First, Pam goes to look for Tommy, right? She's like, let me go check on Tommy. He's yeah. crazy. And he left him out in the van by himself. And what's Tommy doing? Tommy is going Tommy on <laughs> on Junior. On Junior. Who, well, who showed up on his motorbike just to fuck with someone? Well, it, he's like, hey, he's walking around. And then he's like, yeah, hey, but, you're one of those crazy kids from the crazy house. Yeah, I know he, he recognizes him, but why is he there? Yeah, when he first pulls up, he just scares Tommy with with the light of the, of his little scooter motorcycle thing yeah he's and like it, coming directly at him and he can't see and he's like oh no he's gonna hit me and that's all he's it like, takes for, i scared you that's all it takes for tommy to go jarvis on somebody is just scare him a little bit he'll beat the fuck out of you well no then he started commenting that he was crazy yeah and he was up at the loony bin and then he goes ballistic on him and he's like mm-hmm. well tom Quando. Well, doesn't junior take a swing at him for no reason just like he just gets you lunatic, face. you crazy person, yeah. and just goes to hit him. He right? goes to hit him, and then Tommy ducks out of the way, and then beats the crap out of him. Yeah, another <laughs> '80s movie with a random kung fu master in it. Yeah, he does. He doesn't know if it's kung fu. It's just a lot of unnecessary kicking, a lot of fast punching, some e Honda punches. Yeah, some crazy shit. So he beats the crap out of him. Pam comes out. And she's like, "Oh no, stop, oh, Tommy. Tommy, stop!" And he gets up. Junior gets up and runs mm-hmm. off on his motorbike to tell his mom. And yeah, he just runs away. She's like, "No, stop!" And he like runs away, and she doesn't chase him at all. She's like, nope. "Let me go back and get that kid I have, and yep. go back to the the house, yeah, the and institute, yeah, institute, and get the get Matt director head to help her find him." Yeah, so her and Reggie take off, and Nita blows weed smoke in his weed smoke in his face as as he gets out of the van. <laughs> They're gone now. Demon, those enchiladas. Oh, that's some bad news. He's got to run to the outhouse. Yeah. He's damn near about to shit himself. Yeah, he's duck walking on his way to that outhouse. <laughs> That's right. He gets in there. He's taking a dump. And the outhouse starts to shake, just like it does in part three, waiting for him to say this is good shit. And then you 
think it's the killer doing it, but no, it's Anita. Anita's out there shaking this whole <laughs> filthy outhouse by herself. Really weird to me. She's generally just way too comfortable with shitting. Yeah. In general. She's into it. Yeah, she wants to hang out real quick with her face pressed against the outhouse and wants to, like, listen to him shit. Or at least joke around and have a conversation. I mean, she would be right there on his lap if he didn't lock the door. Yeah, she's like, don't worry, you'll be fine after your sloppy enchilada dump. I love you. (laughs) And then, of course, she has to, you know... Serenade. Serenade his colon. So I guess this will be your second favorite part. (laughs) Hey, baby. Ooh, baby. Hey, baby. Ooh, baby. (laughs) So where is this trope? Where is this trope about black people uh, getting it first in horror movies? I am constantly seeing examples of the opposite, that they are not going first. So I don't get it. Where did it come from? Yep, yeah. We've discussed this before. We've had one instance of it, which hardly makes a pattern. Um... These I, these two are off, are not the first to go. They're wedged in the middle pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, where I, I just I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm getting frustrated because I'm like, where is this? Where is this trope coming from? Like, it, now how did like where did we get the idea in our head that that was a trope? It's did it they make from, fun of it. They make fun of it in uh, scary movies. movie, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I in, guess lots yeah. of parodies. I think it's one of those things that happened a few times and then just got like blown up and became mm-hmm. just a very recognizable thing because it's so shocking I, if I'm, it is true i'm starting to think now that that's just something that the wayans brothers made up yeah because the only time i've ever heard of black people dying first is in scary movie mm-hmm. or l cool j and deep blue sea but that just needed to happen he talks about it. he's like <laughs> i should be dead already but um it's like it's like the media's reaction to things right it's like denzel washington says the oscars are racist and then the next year Denzel wins Best Actor, Halle Berry wins Best Actress, and they give Sidney Poitier a Lifetime Achievement Award. Right? <laughs> well, it's a media response. But to, to be fair, too, we, we only have two franchises. It seems like we've made this vast adventure across the horror landscape, but we've really only been embedded in two franchises. <laughs> maybe That's this, a good point. Maybe this That's is a big no. thing. Like he's He's making a very good point. Uh, I just like I haven't guess I've never seen that many horror movies, so I'm making these vast generalizations based on my experience with these. No, it, it's it's a good point. Franchises. It's a good point we should bring up because I've I'm honestly now trying to think over all the horror movies I've seen, and I can't really think of anything that stands out in particular as being obviously racist like that. But I mean, mm. to be fair though, even though we are making vast generalizations about that trope being non-existent, in my mind, these are the two most famous horror franchises yeah they are amongst yeah you know like easily friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street are more famous than halloween and leprechaun and hellraiser and all that stuff yeah right uh i don't know if you talk to someone of this generation they would disagree i think what you could make a better argument for there just not being a whole lot of black people in some of these films some of these films don't have any at all true Ooh, baby (laughs) <laughs> How did I get the Anita singing in that? Like, hey baby, ooh baby, hey baby, ooh baby, hey baby. I'm gonna shit right now. <laughs> <if I'm> not <laughs> careful. <laughs> see, now it makes it. Anita, she uh, gets killed off. We don't see her. She no, she gets her throat slit. Yeah, but we don't see her like Die. engage with the killer. Yeah. Oh. 
And she doesn't she doesn't show her tits either. So nope, nope. another one. Nope. Should have. That's right. She should have. Although that wouldn't have saved her, really. I know, but just <laughs> just for our viewing pleasure. Yes, I would have preferred to have seen them, yes. Uh, but she's dead. Ne- neck is uh, slit. You can see her jugular pulsing a little bit. Yeah. Demon oh, yeah. gets oh, up, Demon doesn't... Yeah. Demon gets up, doesn't wipe his ass, unlocks the... Well, because uh, she yes. shakes it, it shakes again, and he's like, Anita, Anita, and she doesn't respond. He's like, oh, let me put my pants up and see what's going on. So he just pulls his pants out with the, without wiping. Mm-hmm. And opens the door, or well, tries to open the door, but it's impeded. It's blocked by Anita's dead body, and he sees her throat slit as he opens the door. He's like, ah! Mm-hmm. Violent, bad enchilada shit, yeah. and doesn't wipe. Doesn't wipe. Just wipe a sloppy mess back there. <sighs> Just an abandoned sewage plant. <sighs> but he goes back into the outhouse, I guess, just to wait for someone to come there and easily kill him. Yeah. And it's this guy freaks out and the door closes. Yeah, and the concept for this death scene I thought could have been way cooler if they had just dragged it out more. It was kind of like that magician's trick with putting the swords through the box. Yeah. Like that's essentially what they're doing to Demon or what the killer's doing is just uh, taking this metal rod and just stabbing through the outhouse and hopefully trying to get a piece of him. I also wish he had more so he could just like shove one in there, leave it in there, and then exactly. shove another one in. But instead he used the same one. He pulls it out. But also, I guess it gives more sense, suspense because you're like, oh, it's coming back. But where from? From where from, exactly. Because it gets him once in the leg. And I, I thought they could have dra- dragged this out. They could have had him stabbed a couple more times in different places as he's trying to like hide and stay out of its reach. This has got to be another scene that the MPA probably they, fucked up. They did, actually. <laughs> but the part that they pulled out wasn't the elongated part. It was after he finally gets impaled through the back and throughout through his chest. He's supposed to vomit up a bunch of blood and be really dramatic. Oh, yeah, but he doesn't. He just dies instantly. He dies instantly. That's their trick to everything. They're like, uh, MPA's up our ass. Okay, everyone just close your eyes as soon as you're impaled, okay? Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. dies immediately. So he's like, gets him finally straight through the middle of his chest. He looks down at it, and he dies. Mm-hmm. Now we're over to the fucking crazy scene. Junior driving around in circles, yelling at mom. Yeah, he is disgusting. He's just covered in filth and grime and snot and and tears and blood. His mom is inside with, like, filthy hands making a filthy stew that she's spitting into. Beautiful vegetables. She's like, says the best line from the whole movie is in this scene. Which is what? You big dildo, eat your fucking slop. <laughs> Ain't I make the best goddamn stew in the whole wide world? Mm-hmm. That is yeah. from earlier, but that's a great line. <laughs> they hurt me, ma. They, they hurt, hurt me. They hurt. I chop them up, ma. And it's just screaming back and forth, screaming and screaming and screaming until finally Someone's on one of the... like, shut this shit up. Yes, finally on one of the passes, the killer has found time to go and take this cleaver and sharpen it up and chops... Yeah, he's hiding behind a tree. Junior goes by in his in his bike. Right, takes it out there and decapitates. Cleaver straight through the neck, decapitates. Mm-hmm. Yep. Head rolls off. Mama's inside. Mama Ethel. She thinks that he's gotten off his bike or whatever. And that he's coming in. She's like, good. Yeah, and and there is like sounds that. by the door that sounds like someone's coming inside. Yeah. Which is why when she gets stabbed through the window that she's standing by from the in, into her head with the cleaver. I was like, oh, I was expecting someone to come up from behind her. Right. It's it sounds like someone's inside there with her. Yeah. But no, he's outside. Breaks crashes through the window to stab her in the in the head. We don't really see anything. And, and then she falls she, into she's the She's got soup. that cleaver hatchet first. in her face. Mm-hmm. And it's 
fall yeah face first into the stew that she's making yeah the stew which looks like it's full of flower petals it's really weird i think they just put a bunch of filler in there to make it look better and squeezes that i don't know what there's something up with me tomato or something yeah there's something up with me and being disgusted by things being squeezed between people's hands and fingers like I'm disgusted. First the chocolate bars. Disgusted by Joey and the chocolate. I'm disgusted by Ethel and this tomato. I was disgusted by that hitchhiker and the banana. Like people squeezing goopy shit in their fingers. That's to me more disturbing than cleaver to the face. Yeah, add some of that in there, and then I'm just fucking tommying on my couch somewhere, sweating, <laughs> licking pills, squeezing fruit in your fingers, Daniel. Die, die. <laughs> uh, so Pam and Reggie. Back at the halfway house, back at Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she drops uh, off Reggie with all the off, youths. Drops off Reggie. Dr. Letter's gone to look for Tina and Eddie. Tommy's, Gramps is gone. Gramps is gone. Tommy's gone. Yeah. yeah, the kids come out like, we can't find anybody. No one's here. They're like, well, where's Matt? It's like, well, he went to go look for them. And they're like, she's like, well, okay, stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go look alone as a little tiny blonde girl mm-hmm. <laughs> for all these people that are missing. And she puts stuttering Jake in charge. Yeah, yep, because of course you do. Yeah, and she makes it like half a mile down the road and her car just stops working Oops. while she's driving. It just stops. And she gets out and goes on foot to wherever the fuck she thinks she's going. And um, playing horror movies within a horror movie, is that a trope? Like having a horror-based movie that the characters in your horror movie are watching... I feel like that pops up a lot in horror movies. I'm not sure if what they're watching here on the TV when it's uh, Robin and Jake when they're watching TV. I'm not sure if that's a horror movie they're watching. They're going to put something on TV to just be on. Why not show another horror movie? Yeah. And the reason we're talking about this is because Jake and Robin are watching TV back at the halfway house. And Jake is trying to... Let Robin know that he's had feelings for her over these last eight months. He's trying to stutter out that he likes her a lot, but he takes a little bit too far. Jake's making some moves. Yeah. He tries. He gets gets a little creepy. He's like, I like you a lot. That would have been fine. Right. Then he says, I want to make love to you. And she just... Maybe not so fine. She just laughs. Yeah. Laughs (laughs) in his face. Right in his fucking face. You fucking loser. How dare you think... I would let you anywhere near my body with your filthy, stuttering loser self. Get out of my fucking face. Vic killed the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what she said. That's Sorry, what I... she didn't say, but she meant. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, again, I'm getting like, a little bit sick of Daniel throwing <laughs> shit in there that doesn't exist. No, again, Daniel, the master of what the people real don't trope, say. The real trope here is that um, they like to stroke their own dicks about themselves so like in nightmare on elm street there's a lot of homage to the creator and the crave in and blah de blah they like to suck their own dicks the whole time that happens more often than celebrating horror and she wants nothing to she she doesn't want his body touched by this sick disgusting <laughs> guy okay carry on <laughs> yeah but he's obviously upset by having this cruel woman laugh in his face he's like i didn't mean it i take it back yeah i didn't mean it at all dehumanizing him and 
he runs off upstairs. He's crying. Straight to Violet's room. Yeah. He's like, if I can't get on with Robin, we'll try Violet. So, Violet, I need to talk to you. The it's important. Crazy goth girl dancing by herself. She's to, doing some weird dance. To Joy Division. Yeah, she's doing something. She's moving. She's gesticulating her body in some sort of foreign manner. It's very similar to the... What's his name? The Dead Fuck Jimmy dance. Yes, exactly. I was going to say that. She's doing the female version of Crispin Glover's dance, <laughs> which is her own take on, like, emo robot or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. I, I wonder if maybe the director was like, hey, remember, did you ever see Dead Fuck Jimmy dance? Crispin Glover? Mm-hmm. Can you do that? She's like, do you mean this? And they were like, perfect. It's <laughs> disgusting. And um, she's... I. I said this earlier there's not one time in this movie where where violet doesn't go huh (laughs) after somebody speaks to her every fucking time there's music or something that she has that prevents her from hearing them and it pisses me off well at least she does that she's like the anti-tommy huh huh ted (laughs) jake Where's the corkscrew, Ted? Yeah, but she essentially laughs him off, too. She's like, I'm fucking dancing. Get out of here, loser. So he walks off into the hallway by himself. Sad, sad, sad. Cleaver to the face. Jake's dead. no noise and dying very quickly. Yep. Then we've got Robin in her room. She's kind of giving herself a little talking to, like, oh, I I could have turned down Jake a little bit nicer and all this stuff. And she's in some bathrobe that... You know, after she gives herself a little talking to, she takes off the bathrobe. Ooh, titties. Titties. There we go. Yeah, Robin's again. titties. Mm-hmm. She's walking out of room. So, again, a nice lengthy showing of the of the boobs. Yes. She's kind of walking around, prepping for bed, going through some stuff, topless. Yeah. And then she hops into her bunk bed. It's starting to thunder and storm outside. So we're starting to get flashes of light through the window. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't notice there's a whole other person in her bed until the light flashes through the window and she can see that Jake's cleaved face is like inches from her. And she freaks out and then homage to... We can't even say one film because this is like an homage to an homage at this point. Grabbing from underneath the bed the person's head and stabbing up. Impaling them from underneath the bed through their back and out their stomach or chest. Yep. It's a classic. We love it. Apparently the producers also love it. Kind of overdone at this point. It is. Especially because they're not doing it better. Yeah. They're like kind of doing it a little bit worse. Yeah. After they did the two in one, it doesn't really get much better than that. Unless they start stacking people and they're like, everyone's sleeping in the same bed. He got three in one. <laughs> Everyone starts sleeping on top of each other. <laughs> Dog pile and he just shows up. Could be. They're like, oh, let's have a little orgy. <laughs> that would be an awesome 10 minute Friday the 13th movie. So everyone just dogpiles on each other. Jason comes in with a big harpoon, stabs through all of them. Movie's over. <laughs> and so now it's only Violet left in the house, right? She's unknowingly the last person alive, well, except for Reggie, Reggie. Who's sleeping downstairs on the couch. And. Jason, because she's so engaged in her dancing and her music, she's not even with headphones on, right? It's her no. stereo. It's the stereo. So Jason, had, or not Jason, the killer has, can just walk in. He walks into her room, kind of hides out, waits till the lyrics in the song are appropriate for what he's about to do. <laughs> right? The song over and over again is like, the masked man with no life in his eyes, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another boring death. So yeah, the, okay. the killer chokes her, lifts her up a little bit, and stabbed in the stomach. 
Right. So, so now it's just Reggie. Reggie's the only one left. The storm wakes him up off the couch. He goes upstairs to kind of see what everyone's doing. I guess he wants to hang out with Tommy because he goes and checks in Tommy's room. Mm-hmm. Is he saying if he's back yet because he was gone when he went to sleep? Yeah. Hey, can I touch your masks? You know, probably wants to play with his masks. <laughs> can I scare you with more spiders? Yeah. And then when he opens the door, totally no privacy for Tommy. Just bursts into his room, and there's just dead bodies stacked up on his bed. There's the three recently dead bodies. Yeah, they all got stacked into Tommy's room. Is that because that was a good dark place to hide them? Was it because Roy was trying to frame Tommy? It seemed like if they were writing this so that maybe Tommy was the killer and he was killing people while he was hallucinating or something, this would be a way to get to that point. Right. You also, know. maybe I think Roy might have been trying to frame Tommy because he's like, he knew he was involved. He killed Jason Voorhees. He's trying mm-hmm. to mimic all this stuff to be like Jason Voorhees. He's like, yeah, that kid's crazy. He could snap and kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So he's it's like, yeah, let's just put them all in that room. If I get a good away idea. with this. I would do it if I was Roy. Yeah, if he's going to get away with it, he's going to just put all the bodies in there when he's done. Um, along with Tommy's because, you know, people like to kill a bunch of people and then kill themselves. So put them all in the same room and leave and come back as a paramedic the next day and be like, oh my God, what happened here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nate, Nate, do you have a take on this? Because lots of assumptions are being made right now. Um, which death is this? <laughs> 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 anyway, so Reggie is freaked out and he, when Pam walks in the door, he's like, oh, Tommy's room and Tommy's room. There's a bunch of dead people. Look in there. It's in Tommy's room. So mm-hmm. like, well, you forget that Pam scares yeah, scare Reggie, him. and he screams like yeah. a little girl. Yeah. I I can't, I can't even do that scream. It's like the scream of a three year old girl. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's all like that. Yeah. She walks in. She's like, oh shit, there are dead bodies in here. Fuck. We they, need to go. They need to go. They run downstairs. The guy playing Jason does a great Jason impersonation by exploding the front door open. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think the director just saw that shot from the last movie and was like, I like it. We'll do it again. (laughs) Because there's no reason for him to be that strong. He's a fucking paramedic. Yeah. But as after the door explosion, they take off out the back door. Reggie and Pam run for the road where they find the ambulance where that blonde ambulance driver is dead, still gum in his mouth. Mm -hmm. Opens the door, he falls out. Yeah, they open the door, he falls out, and then the killer pops up behind the ambulance. How did he get down there? He was chasing them down there. How did he go around them and get in front of them in order to pop up behind the ambulance? Well, He's doing a very good impression of Jason Voorhees. Yes, because <laughs> we know that Jason Voorhees can teleport. Yes, he yeah. slid into the shadows and did like one of those Bugs Bunny, like under the ground. You know how big things <laughs> just scoots underneath them. That's the only part that I was like, wait a second. Like, I'll take him. That was the only part? Knowing like, when, wait a second? Knowing which window to be out of and blah, blah, blah. But, like, this is just straight up. He just had to run past them yep. to get there. And Either way, Reggie and, takes off. Yeah. Reggie like, run, I'm out, bitch. Look, Reggie runs really fast. You better keep up. And she's like, <laughs> really what's fast. going on? Oh, we're running. Okay. And she, like, chases after him. But Reggie's already gone. He ain't stopping to look. He's already into like faded in the darkness by the time she decides to chase after him. Yeah, and it's so funny too because he takes off fucking dead sprint, and then he starts looking around. Pam, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> not only that, but he's going forward with his running. He's not turning around and going back and being no. like, "Pam, where are you?" He just keeps running forward. Yeah. You're <laughs> and he's like, "Where right? are you, <laughs> Reggie? Where the fuck do you think she is? Mm-hmm. She's five hundred yards behind you, where you left her." She's running around looking for him. He's running around looking for her. They're in the woods. It's dark. 
No rain at this point, right? Oh, no, it's raining. No, it's raining. Oh, of course it's raining. It's raining. It's raining. It is prepping yeah, oh, Pam's yeah. boobs to show off for the oh, yeah. rest of this movie. How yeah. could I forget that white t-shirt? And Pam is running through the woods <laughs> in the rain, and yeah. we see the corpse of Dr. Letter. Yeah, he's been another rail, railroad spike to the forehead. Where do these railroad spikes come from? <laughs> no idea. Railroad company somewhere but close. railroad spike to the forehead through the skull, and he's hung up against the tree. Yeah. Would have liked to have seen that one. Uh, yeah, that would have been a nice one. Yeah. Seems like the, with that amount of force, there's got to be some type of hammer involved. Yeah, something. And a rock, rocks work. Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. <laughs> oh yeah. So Pam's tits bouncing through her now almost see-through shirt. Mm-hmm. She goes back into. She's back into the house. Back she's in the she's house. hoping that Reggie is in there because she's kind of screaming out for him. Yeah, she runs in, locks the door. Reggie. Reggie, are you here? Reggie. And she's looking for him. And she's running around. And then, then what next? Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa. Through window. Flying through a window. Yeah. Thrown through the window, Jason style. This is why Roy, I thought Roy had been studying up. Because how would he know how to do this? We have one of these every movie. These are producer-driven moments. They are not character-driven moments. True. It's every Jason movie has someone flying through a window. Yeah, we're not it's like breaking a, the it's trend. It's like a tip of the hat to themselves. It's yes. them sucking their own dicks. Yes. <laughs> and I appreciated it because I was like, "Oh no, who's going to throw the body through the window this time?" When it's just Roy, doesn't matter. That body comes flying through like it was catapulted. Look, we've already established he can make a door explode. Yes, just by his presence. He can also overhand throw people's bodies, <laughs> and Grandpa's eyes have been gouged out. Maybe from all the naked children he's seen? Maybe. Yeah? Maybe. Who knows? Pretty obvious. <laughs> I was thinking they took him out the same way Tina, so maybe the same garden shears or whatever were used. Mm. To also poke out his eyes and cut them through. Yeah. It does look like his eyes have been messed with the exact same way. She heads outside in the rain. Mm-hmm. Falls rain for no reason. In white shirt. Okay. Whatsoever. Yeah, falls in quick mud. In, in what? Quick mud? Quick mud? Is that a thing? Quick mud? No. Because it's she like can't mud get up. mud and leaves, and then she cannot physically get herself to stand up. She, she is can. on her hands and knees and crawling and able to move forward. It's quick mud. Look, or jelly legs. Or push herself I appreciated up this position. scene. Makes sense. I appreciated this scene for the sole reason that she just Pam's shirt is oh. pretty much see-through at this point. Yeah. Yep. And now she's getting dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do like that. She does completely just give up. She turns over on her back and she's like, all right. Like, I'm ready to die. Yeah, just lay there and be wet in a red shirt. (laughs) This this shit's going to happen. Yeah. Just get a big, long look at him. And now we know where Reggie gets his nickname from. He is one (laughs) reckless reckless. He is fucking reckless. And knows how to drive construction equipment. Yeah, why not? It should be easy, right? I don't think I could drive a tractor. I can drive this shit out of (laughs) Is that a tractor? Is that a bulldozer? Is that it's what like a bulldozer a, is? Oh, no, wait. It's like, it's a, like a tractor. It's close to a bulldozer. It has like a big scoop oh. in the front. I'll tell you what it is. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. The whole scene. It's like it comes crashing through um, like a barn door. building it was stored in. Yeah, yeah a barn. straight through the barn. And then uh, Roy just kind of sits there, stunned, has, has ample opportunity to move out of the way in several different directions and and make a decision to prepare for this gigantic, what is it, payloader's arrival, (laughs) and, um, you know, decides to just stand there and get 
driven into by it. Well, but Aubrey, Pam had some thought, and she rolled out of the way. Yeah, Pam yeah. suddenly finds time to get away. Yep. I guess you could make the argument that he couldn't, he can't really see things very well out of his mask. Like the light's shining in his eyes, and he's like, why is it so incredibly loud and getting louder? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Why is that bright light coming towards me at such a fast pace? He takes that loader or whatever straight to the chest, gets flung like 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nate, just so you know, in my notes, this is another one of those fucking scenes where I just wrote, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what this deserves. This scene deserves, um, yeah, some some what or some, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. One of the two. Yeah, it is weird. It is ridiculous. Not only because they have so much time to get away out of the mud and so much time to get away from the, the piece of machinery, but just the... The boy driving it, and either way, either way, Jason's—he's on the ground. Uh, Reggie's yeah. having the greatest day of his life. They're like, "Success! Give me a hug!" Oh yeah, yeah. hug those wet tits all over me, Pam. He is copping <laughs> many a field. He oh, is. he does cop many a field. He's, he's like he's, hugging, hugging, yeah, hug, a loose hug. Oh my hand. Hugging, but at the same time, using one of his hands to like cup her tits. Yeah, he, right? he keeps like keeps jamming and unjamming his hands from her armpits, uh-huh. so that he's like scooping a touch on the way in. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a, a quick pause here and discuss why... Um, well, no, we're going to discuss the hypocrisy of your evaluation of young boys around um, women with that are either naked or have you know wet t-shirts or, or whatever some sort of arousing moment with it with a woman. Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to defend myself because that's when I was still on Daniel's side, and so I just had to go with it. <laughs> this is the past. I kind of feel like you're you're kind of leaning towards my side for the Nightmare on Elm Street, but you haven't quite decided where you stand with the Friday the 13th movies, Jonathan. It, I'm, I'm calling you out. It's kind of tough because we've established how ridiculous the Friday the 13th movies are and kind of the formula for all of it. We've, we've given them permission to be ridiculous. And right. Nightmare on Elm Street has not been granted that permission. Which, which is guys. which is odd because it seems like it should be the other way the other way around. I say Nightmare is a little more ridiculous, a lot more creative, a lot more just random things thrown in there. And I'm Whereas, way more protective of that franchise too. So where were we at? Uh, oh right, cop feel. Yeah, yeah. So, they're, they're sitting there. He's, they're sitting there just hugging each other and they're celebrating. Celebrating entirely too early. Yeah, way too early because the killer is still alive. He grabs. Uh, Reggie's foot. Um, they get away from him and they run into the barn to hide. It worked and, out really well before. Yeah, exactly. And he just follows suit. But this part's cool because once he gets in there, fucking Pam jumps out of like some closet in the barn or some little some shed, shed with a chainsaw and they get in this chainsaw machete battle. Yeah. And like not like that other bullshit chainsaw thing that happened in. Uh, the previous, what was it? it like? I think it was part three. Was it part two? Part three? Yeah. <laughs> where I think part three. Where she just like nicks Jason's arm and just is done with the chainsaw? Yeah, yeah. That dumb bitch, yeah. She had no reason to leave that chainsaw behind. This time after a lengthy little battle and getting like a nice good deep shoulder wound in on this killer, the chainsaw just craps out it just, like her car just like her car yeah it's like all dies. electronics in this movie that just stop working it won't start the killer even gives her a fair chance to kind of like get it started like can you no we can't all right now i'm gonna kill you and she just throws it at him <laughs> <She just laughs> totally throws misses. the whole chainsaw at him not even close 
And she takes off uh, for the loft. And that's when... Tommy! Tommy walks in to say nothing. So we know Tommy's (laughs) not the killer at this point. Right. If we had thought so before, then we definitely know that he's not now. And he just stares at Jason. They have this sort of like... They're like, you! And he's like, you! Jason? It's, it's It's actually kind of a cool reversal because it was him distracting Jason before by getting inside of his head and this time imposter Jason is distracting Tommy by getting inside of his head he's like oh fuck it really is you I thought I was just fucking tripping yeah it and does go into like a little bit of a mind fuck yeah thing. and it like fucks Jason. with him he's like what yeah. do I do is it a flashback is remember real guy? yeah you remember yeah exactly and then during that whole thing this gives the opportunity for the killer to get really close and slash Tommy across the chest with a machete uh what I'm assuming is egregious torso damage. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> so he falls down, passed out for a little while, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, the way we've seen every other machete slash in this movie so far, that should have been instant death. Yeah, he should have closed his eyes and been quiet. Yeah. But no, he takes out his knife that he was playing with way earlier in this movie, stabs the killer in the, in the thigh. He sticks him in the leg. And then goes up to the loft to hide out with... Pam and Reggie. They're like, come on, you can make it. You can make yeah. it. Hurry up. And by hide out, I mean pass out yeah. unconscious on the floor. I guess he literally died. He like used all his effort to climb up those ladders. And then he's mm. like. Ah. Yeah, because the killer gets to the top of the ladder, looks at Tommy. It's like, just dead. Figures him for dead. And then goes off to find the other two. And Reggie just gives their position away. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like halfway out, instead looking around the corner. But not really hiding. He's not really peeking. He's straight halfway out looking around the corner. He's being reckless he's again. Like, no, no, no. He's, he's luring him. Oh. Oh, yes. I, I'm with Nate. He's luring him. Your chance to spin some shit. All right. Can you continue? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking about Roy's death scene. He said a boot. All right. <laughs> yeah, because Pam is hiding be out behind him. Distracting him? What is no, he luring? He's luring him. Yeah, he's luring him. Pam comes out, hits him on the back with like, a, like cano- a stick, canoe oar. What the fuck? Yeah, like at the handle end of a canoe oar. It's actually like slaps him. He's like, "What the fuck was that?" Is that yeah, a yeah. It's, she didn't even hit him. It's like a, a kind of a slap, yeah. love tap like, type eh, thing. Leave him alone. And they start doing some like dancing scene. Yeah, right? they do a little crab dance. You know, she's trying to like get she away. Goes left. He goes left. Yeah, she's trying to get away from the opening of the barn because there's a bed of spikes down below. And she does actually finally gets to the side, kind of. Yeah, she kind of scoots to the side, and then Reggie jumps off a bale of hay uh, to save the day and pushes this killer, what we think is out of the barn, onto the spikes. Mm-hmm. But it just sort of cuts away, and they're hugging each other, looking over the side, and oh, he's not dead. He's hanging on to the side of the building. You'd think they would have learned their lesson the first time. Mm-hmm. Reggie is reckless, so he went to look first. Yeah. And he grabs him. He's like, I want this little kid now. Yeah, I'm taking this you're kid. You're worthy. Gonna this you're worthy now. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I gave you a chance, little bitch. Now you're going to die. And they have a little tussle, tug of war. Yeah, <laughs> Pam's pulling on one end. The killer's pulling on the other. Suddenly, Tommy wakes up. He's like, oh, something's happening. I should help. Mm-hmm. Decides to help, grabs a machete, and just chops. But again, doesn't say, chop the- cleanly through. He makes one of the weakest noise when he's about to do it, too. He's like, ah! And it, like, three quarters of the way chops the killer's hand off, but not all the way. Another dull blade. It just shows the hand and (laughs) grabbing them, and then it goes lifeless. Take some pride in your work. Here, here, here's a sharpening stone. Go over there. Go over there. 
Yeah, and then sharpen that shit. And then I, I, I was, I was pissed at first when I watched this because when he first goes over the edge, but he's just hanging on. I thought that he was dead, and I was like, we don't even get to see him fall on the bed of spikes. But no, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. He falls off the barn on Mass the bed of spikes. Falls off. It's, well, a, it's a nice wet schloppy like as the body just impales itself onto that thing. And the mask falls off and the prosthetics neatly fold around his face so, so that you can clearly see that he is Roy. So we assume that Roy stole one of Tommy's masks to Maybe. cover his head. He was like, I need something to make my head look bulbous, bald, and deformed. It's oh. a good thing this new psycho kid at the Pinehurst halfway house makes masks. Yeah. He's dead. We have a nice little like s- some summary scene of Pam. She's hanging out at the hospital. She's got Reggie asleep in her lap, and Sheriff Tucker comes in, and he's like, "Hey, you know, it's that guy Roy, that paramedic. Apparently, that guy Joey wasn't an orphan. His dad is a paramedic that's been secretly watching him his entire life without telling him that he's his father. And he was pretty pissed when he showed up, and his son had been chopped to death. So he went on a rampage and killed everyone. Here's <laughs> killed some bullshit everybody. clippings that I guess prove my point. You're not even paying attention to me. Later, Pam. Well, and you even pointed out that uh, in the newspaper clippings, oh, yeah. there's a picture, uh, like a photo of Jason. Yeah, a live, live action, action photo. A live action photo of Jason. Who the fuck took that picture? <laughs> <laughs> like a photographer got him creeping through the woods one day. <laughs> and she like suddenly remembers that Tommy is in the hospital because she gets up from hanging out with Reggie and goes to check on Tommy. She walks into his room and he has like a creepy old nurse by his bed uh-huh. sitting there watching him like it's the 1950s or something. It's raining it's torrentially outside. Tommy, hi, mm-hmm. hi. And then Tommy wakes up with a machete in his hand and stabs her in the fucking stomach and is laughing in her face about it. But it's just a dream. Nah. He wakes up in a cold sweat in a hospital bed with no one watching him. Except for Jason. Yep, he has he a, wakes he wakes up with Jason at the foot of the bed. That's right. And normally he has these quick little visions of Jason. This time it's a long accepting stare off. There's a stare off for sure. Because first he's like a little tense and scared that he's there in the first place, and then he's like, "Oh, it's you." So he kind of stares him down. And he's like, "I don't care about you. I'm gonna stare at you." <laughs> Until yeah, he's slowly before dismissed. when Jason would like knock on his psyche, he'd be like, "You ready for me?" Oh no, no, you're not ready for me. Whoa, freaking out. <laughs> this time he's like, "You're ready." Mm-hmm. And Tommy's like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> he should have just, like, jumped inside him. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And so like, he gets... Donna, like, run and jump, and then he, like, phases into him. And he's yes, like... the two of them <laughs> combine into one body. But he gets out of bed. He opens up his drawer. He's stolen the mask, the imposter mask that Roy was wearing. He's stolen that from the crime scene. Yeah. He's just hanging on to it. No one needed that for evidence or anything. Law enforcement just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. No, You've I, got this psycho hillbilly threatening to blow everybody up with a bomb. You've got insane asylum patients stealing running around evidence. with children. <laughs> running around with children, stealing evidence. Yeah, there's yeah. They're lucky that <clears throat> stuff was even put into plastic bags back then. I think Mayor Cobb is right. Everyone just needs to get fucking fired. It does. Yeah. It's a small town. This place should be running itself. But then we're no longer in the dream. Tommy kind of hides in his room when he hears Pam coming in. Well, he's, yeah, he's looking at his oh, no, 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 he, no. he broke a window. Yeah, Pam hears a window break and goes into his room, thinks that he's escaped from the hospital, but then the door closes. And he comes and up behind Tommy's him. fucking standing there. Got this his, big knife. He also, where did he get this big knife in the hospital? Wearing no the knows. imposter Jason mask. 
Mm-hmm. So if he was like all passed out and like you know dying on his deathbed, how do you get the mask in the first place? How do you get it into the hospital room without anyone noticing? Mm-mm. Just sitting in yeah, the Yeah, he drawer. was like unconscious and stuff. Someone yeah. just bagged it for him. Like, oh, yeah, is this yours? Like, he's going to want this for later. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has a bunch of masks. It's probably his. Oh, yeah, this knife, too. He's probably going to want this knife. Yeah, he likes this knife. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly violent. So, we'll put this in a drawer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. They've, set, they've totally set it up to have Tommy become Jason. Or the new Jason. Or Jami. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It seems to me that uh, when I sit and I have to see these movies with audiences, yeah. needless to say, they don't have yeah. critic screens. Everybody goes, wah, you know, like it's just like it's kind of half a second of stimulation. Something happened and I witnessed it, and that's what they get out well, of it. The at the end of the movie, though, yeah. nothing accumulates. Yeah. You're not left with anything yeah. at the end of the All movie. Right. There is the theory, you know, yeah, okay, you're knocking, you guys are knocking this stuff, but don't you stop mm-hmm. for traffic accidents? Don't you slow down? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I slow down a little bit, you know, but I don't get out of my car, go over and look at the body cavity and see where the head's been ripped off. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in the film. There is a real salivating over the garbage well, in another, this picture. I mean, Gene, art all through the years, and we could talk about all of these sequels probably in this term, art all through the years has dealt with the violent and with the vulgar and with the profane as part of human experience. What as is part you, of it. What is unique about this film is that they have taken out <laughs> all the other parts That's of human right. experience and left only this in so it becomes a very dismaying and very depressing experience to sit through. Uh, I just want to say that what I'm impressed by are now more than ever before when I think about all these sequels, I'm very serious here, I'm impressed by all the directors who've said no. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to say yes. It's mm-hmm. so easy to take the money and run and hide behind a mask, if you will, or mm-hmm. it was just mm-hmm. fun, I did the sequel, what the heck, I needed a few bucks. I want to thank all the directors who said, I won't do it. Yeah, and let's I get, have too much self-respect, I'm not going to do another one. let's go just one more level, and then maybe this can be the end of it, and that is, the people who made the first movie in each one of these series, it seems right. to me, at least had something going for it. The person who made the first Friday the 13th movie, mm-hmm. the first Porky's. Right. Uh, these movies, we didn't like so much, we didn't think they were so great. Somebody had a new idea, at least. And they made that movie, and then after and that, it was a bad idea. <laughs> and it was a bad idea, but at least it was their idea. So somebody had, so so somebody now has somebody a bad had, idea. Somebody had to think, and now nobody has had to think ever since. Right? How did it stack? Last time we did Dream Child, the stack was not very exciting at all. Pretty we much had, non-existent. We had no nudity and like three deaths. This time, lengthy topless scenes here, right? These well, are long, some very shots. satisfying there was uh, sexual content. Ex- mostly except nude for, sex except for Lana's too. peekaboo tits. You know, it seemed. Yeah. But she didn't last very long anyway, so honestly, that was like a large chunk of her role was her <laughs> showing. It was. Like, that's probably why they paid her. <laughs> yeah. And she also sings what she's doing when she's like, putting on lipstick, getting ready to go out. I think with he this loves me. Guy. I think he loves me, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm completely satisfied with the sexual content in this movie, especially yeah, Eddie's, Eddie's performance. Eddie's performance was uh, was was perfect duration. It was very, <laughs> it was very good. I've, he, I've, heard, I've heard women say that you know going too long is just as much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. also heard that. Yeah, it's a friction. It's a friction thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we have <laughs> we have Lana's tits, Tina and Eddie having sex. Tina's tits, Robin's tits, and we can pretty much put Pam's tits on here, right? Yeah, I they, mean, they yeah. might as well be. Uh, you can. S- I saw nipples. Now, Triumph as a standalone, as part of the franchise. Who wants to go first? Jasmine. Okay, I'll go first. 
Um, I'd say it was good on both parts. Um, as far as the franchise, it went with the storyline. It was consistent. You made you think that it was going to be Tommy, but it was someone else. But it still like worked enough to where they explained it. Where it made sense enough that it was okay that it was someone else copycatting it. Stuck with the format. A lot of deaths. A lot of sex. I say it works with the with the franchise. As far as a standalone, I think it's really good also because it has a lot more nudity, a lot more deaths, just a lot going on, and it is all explained by some copycat idea. So, I mean, if someone had watched this movie and never seen a Friday the have never seen a Friday the Thirteenth, they would still get it because they kind of explain in the end about Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. and how Roy found out about him, and so you kind of get some of the history through that. So Jasmine, yeah. kicking us off, a new beginning, double triumphant. Double triumphant. Jonathan. All right, standalone, in all honesty, the only real enjoyable parts of this movie were all the tits, especially Tina. I could watch this again for Tina solely. <laughs> <laughs> and and the random singing. Just the random singing was just kind of nice and uplifting and peppy. And, of course, people died immediately after. But the random singing before was kind of a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I, I, I don't know. You guys talk about how great of an acting job Tommy did, and I thought it was shitty. There was just a lot of parts of this movie that didn't make any sense. Like, how the fuck could Jason run so fast when he was chasing Pam and Reggie? Mm-hmm. Just more inconsistencies with uh, the continuity. Uh, as far as the franchise goes, it was kind of nice to actually have, like, a... Well, this isn't the first time, but just to have a, a direct sequel. You know? It's, it's kind of a nice nice little touch. So, as far as for the franchise, I'll say it was a triumph there, but so, on it on its own... So no, no on standalone. Yes on franchise. Though Tina was so nice, it uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm, so I'm on the line. <laughs> that scene there makes the whole movie. So it's you're saying movie. if we can keep these this breast count up for future sequels, you'd be happy. On on par with what Tina's got. Right. <laughs> They've got to be right. nice tits. Because right. because we see a lot of Robin, but Robin's tits weren't nearly as nice as Tina's were. Oh, there's now, there was she had the small ones in the group. I mean, they were still perky, but just not as nice overall. And if we could have had a scene with Tina singing, that would have worked. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been on board there. She'd be like, I have great tits and weird eyes. <laughs> Nathan? <laughs> um, I don't really think there is such a thing as a triumph for a standalone horror movie. You could you could say that this... I, I, I'll say that this is is a, is a triumph in relation to the franchise, just because it follows the format and it it follows it fairly effectively and you know delivers on what the expectation is. But in terms of a standalone, I mean, this movie's hacked to bits by the MPAA, and um, yeah, you separate this movie from the franchise, and this is dog shit. So, all right, so Nathan as well, no one standalone, yes on franchise. Yes on franchise, never on standalone. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ballsy. All right. I said yes on standalone. And I was on the fence about franchise. Until now, I'm going to go ahead and say yes on franchise as well. Why yes on standalone? <laughs> yes on standalone because, weirdly enough, even though this you would think this movie is kind of confusing if you took it out of the franchise, all you really need to know is that this fucked up guy once killed someone when he was young and now he's fucked up and he's older. 
<clears throat> and that guy that he killed is killing other people. Like it's not you don't need to know too much history to get you don't need to know about Mama Voorhees or even about where this Jason character came from or why he's even a character. You just need to know that this kid's fucked up and he's thinking that they're killing everybody. And I think that it works at that. It's pretty bland for people, so it would probably catch some non-horror fans as well just because the gore is so low. Because of Tina. And the tits are so high. Because yeah. of Tina. Exactly. That's why I stand alone. Franchise, I was unsure about how I felt about having a movie not involving Jason be part of the Jason franchise, but it kind of grew on me after the fourth viewing. After the fourth viewing, yeah. it started to grow on you? Mm-hmm. It took that long. It took that long to get all their names. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Two double triumphs and two franchise triumphs. No standalone love from these guys. Not surprised. <laughs> all right. Creative kills. We've got a lot. Instead of going through them all, let's just pick a favorite. Because there are 19. And, I don't know, favorites? Anybody? I did enjoy the... The road flare death. Uh, part of me likes Demon being skewered. Only because he gets him in the leg first. I'm going to go with Roy. Because, one, I don't know what that farming equipment he fell on. But it's a bed of spikes. And it's like, I think it's just hanging around there. And he happens to fall on it. But also, I like how you think he fell on it at first. And they look down. He's not there. And then they actually show the struggle on him actually falling onto it. Yep. Bed of spikes they is really good. Show. Because most I don't of the deaths here, tri- I don't think the spikes are triumphant because you know that they're coming. You see the spikes <laughs> on the ground. You see the spikes there, and you're like, "Oh, but that's you don't know gonna who's going to die." Because first, Pam is like, "Maybe I'm going to fall on that thing," and then the second time, you think he already fell on it, but then he's not. And oh, eventually, oh my God, he is does. Reggie about to jump out onto it himself? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> is he going to like? I still, I, I still don't see it. I still don't see a triumph in that death. <laughs> uh, well, this this one's different for me. Okay. Okay. Most creative, I thought, was the road flare in the mouth. Okay. My favorite was Vic axing the fuck out of Joey. Because one, <laughs> that's a good one. One, it totally caught me off guard. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Right. And granted, we don't see the damage as it's happening, but when the sheets lifted and you see his arm on top of his body like that, yep. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not think Vic went to town that bad. That was a good one. Sliced off his arm. I never mentioned this earlier either, but that actor who played Vic, he was originally supposed to play Tommy. Oh, was he? Yeah. But he was considered too, I don't know, attractive. So they gave him two minutes in the movie? Yeah, yep. pretty much. All right. Like Instead of the starring role, how about we cut you out real early? Yeah. <laughs> you do get to kill Joey, though. You do get to kill someone. Which yep, sets so. this whole thing in motion. It's true. So I'm kind of leaning... That's a good idea. I don't know. Road flare, better spikes. Joey getting axed. These are all good. Nathan? Uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan. My favorite death was Joey getting axed to death by Vic. Um, I would have to consider Eddie's death to be the most creative because it had that weird, you know, like cinching of the leather around oh, his yeah. eyes. Like yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, something about that kill was, I mean, shoving a. A flare into someone's mouth is—it's um, interesting, but I wouldn't consider it to be as creative. It's kind of just in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the other one takes some effort, like cinching that. You know, it's like every time you cinch it, it's the leather's going to crush his skull a bit more. And it's very graphic too. Just yeah. watching his hands, like have trouble turning it. Yeah, I find myself with this movie too, trying to imagine what the movie looked like, and it's X-rated. For, form without any of the MPAA bullshit. Um, 
and trying to think about how cool the death could have been instead of how cool the death was. You know, I, I think I'm switching to, to Nate's answer for most creative just because this is the only time I think I remember seeing Jason or a Jason character killing someone with a torture device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because normally it's pretty immediate, you mm-hmm. know? But this is like torture. Mm-hmm. Sticking with the spikes? Yep. I have to go with Bill too. I mean, I'm liking the argument that I'm hearing. It's I, interesting. We haven't seen it before. It's kind of gruesome when you think about it longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bell is definitely triumphant. The spikes, <laughs> not, not so much. <laughs> oh, sorry, the I'm bell's sorry, triumphant guys. within the franchise. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> no, it's it's yes, triumphant. I'm sorry. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to be an ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could it be you? interesting thing about tina is her tits <laughs> her name in real life that's what yes thank you just about to bring that up her name in real life is debbie sue Voorhees. really mm-hmm. her actual last name is Voorhees, and she plays ironically a Voorhees in a movie with no Voorhees in it i wonder if she's related to someone who's on the movie of the original when they like pick the name I'm like, mm. where did they came up with the name for? Oh, that's a good name. I, I don't think her last name had anything to do with casting. I think they just took random tit shots of actors or actresses that they were looking for, mm-hmm. and they picked the best one. They were like, hire no, no, this no, no, one. No. And some guy was like, I don't know, her eyes are pretty close together. And that guy got fired. Yeah, immediately. No, this is like a slam dunk. This is a slam dunk for the casting directors, They're okay? Like, this is where they shook, their, shook each other's hand after she left the room. Your last name's Voorhees. Well, thanks for coming in, Debbie Sue. She leaves, and they're all like, great tits. Get the last name. Shake with each other's hands. She's in. <laughs> she, check we did it, you no, guys. We I see it. high-fiving. No, it, it, yeah. it, it, it probably was a little bit different. Great tits on that one. Did you get her last name? What the fuck? Her last name? No, she has a name? Her last name was Voorhees. You're fired. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Could be these reveries of mine are far this is a too podcast divine about Friday the 13th, true. and we better start talking about this son of a bitch before or Daniel has an aneurysm. it be really you? We're going to smoke this, and I'm going to give you the best 10 seconds of your life. 